what a month it's been for the podcast and a month it's been for me personally. It's been a crazy month. However, the information that has come to me through this podcast is on another level. And to have Muhammad on back to back and then have Colin in the studio, these are the kind of interviews that I dreamed about in the beginning. We also turned four this month. I didn't make a big deal out of it. However, that's another milestone as well. And speaking of number four, the fourth podcast for this month is with Jock Doubleday. To finish a month like this with a guest like Jock is an absolute pleasure. To be able to connect with someone halfway across the world in Texas and have a really in-depth discussion about many fascinating topics is the exact reason why I do this. And I look forward to sitting down with Jock again soon. We, had, we didn't even scratch the surface with some of the stuff we spoke about. Now this one was recorded on Anzac Day. I did a driveway dawn service, smashed out a workout and then connected with Jock in Texas for nearly three hours. Because of the Zoom platform, there was a fair bit of editing that had to be done to this one, and there's also a fair bit of editing that needs to be done to the video version, and at times, the video version may be better for this one. However, I'm working my way through that, developing a new skill there. Despite that, though, this is an excellent conversation. You guys are about to go on a ride. I want to put a shout-out to any original musicians with some original music who want to contribute to the podcast. Even if you've got friends that are musicians, that have got some cool tunes, that wouldn't mind a free plug. Because what I want to do, as much as I love the songs I play, we were taken down for a period of time. Because I had the audacity to play All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. Now I understand copyright law, let's not mess around with it. However, seriously, I wonder what John Lennon would think. But what we're going to do is we're going to turn adversity into opportunity. So reach out, DM me on Instagram, through the Facebook page, unlocking the code, the numeral nine at gmail.com, and let's connect. I'm a lover of music. I'm not that way talented. However, I can truly appreciate all types of music. So get in touch with me, and let's see if we can't work something out. That's about it, guys. This has been a bumper month. The stuff that's coming is going to continue to blow this stuff wide open. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hope all is well. Be kind. Be cool. Stay focused. And before I forget, enjoy Rowdy. We're going to go with Bathe in the Sun on the front and finish with Plain Lady Jane. Please look up Rowdy on Facebook. Let him know that you heard him on here and show him some love and support. He's getting back out there on the guitar, which is awesome to see. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate you all. Until next time.
daisies The gentle breeze made the world wave to me The day has come with a gold ring wrapped around her I think I might just bathe in the sun I think I might just bathe in the sun G'day everyone, welcome back. It's my great pleasure to introduce Jock Doubleday to the podcast. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> no worries, man. So whereabouts are you? Obviously, I think you're coming to us from the past, or I'm coming to you from the future. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. Wow. Are you, are you coming to us from the future? Yeah, either you're coming to me from the past or I'm coming to you from the future, because it's Sunday morning oh, you- where I am. <laughs> See, I took it as you were talking about like you were a time traveler from millions of years from now. So maybe, maybe which could, which, you know, it could be, it could be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's how open my mind is. Maybe it's too yeah. open. I should yeah. probably close a little bit. Yeah. Bring it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been getting into some crazy, well, not crazy, but crazy good, let's say, um, mm. subjects ever since I went to visit the Bosnian Pyramid Complex. Mm. I did some volunteering in 2011 mm. uh, for three months uh, to help with excavation. And uh, I met people there who turned me on to the idea of extraterrestrials and, you know, the, the, the cosmic family and all sorts of stuff that I didn't, I had no experience with. I didn't believe in ETs. I didn't believe in UFOs, although my friends had all seen UFOs. It's just that I didn't know what to make of their stories. It's like, sure. I believe them. But then, you know, what do I do with this isolated incident of them saying, I saw three triangles fly across the sky in about three seconds I don't know what to do with that information, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so until I got to the Bosnian pyramids, um, I hadn't really gotten the downloads. I got so many downloads about larger things than mm-hmm. just, as we were saying earlier, before this uh, started uh, yeah. about eating, sleeping and dying, you know? Yeah. So, so back, um, so, so back mm-hmm. up a second, mate, what, what led you yeah. to, cause I, I have, I've been uh, pouring over your, your stuff over the last few days in preparation for this. So you said, because obviously you went back there for 23 months in 2015, and we'll get to there. However, what what sent, why, because obviously the Bosnian Pyramid is one of those ones, I mean, we're dedicated here to this megalithic society that once existed. And it seems to be almost every day there's, there's more and more evidence piling up. But the Bosnian Pyramid seems to be a bit of an enigma or, you know, it's as in, I didn't even know that they were excavating it in 2011. So what, what led you to even go there? Well, they, they started a, a volunteer program in 2010 mm-hmm. and volunteers from all, all the continents, except probably Antarctica, uh, came and, you know, in droves because people had been hearing about this and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the real dedicated, it's like when a band starts and there's dedicated fans. Well, the real dedicated mm-hmm. people to the Bosnian Pyramids idea came out and volunteered and yeah. they were helping excavate Rovney Tunnel. Now, this is a really cool story. Should mm. I go into the story of Rovney Tunnel? Yeah, look, absolutely, mate. I mean, uh, looking at um, that, that loose spill, because when I was watching your videos, that loose spill that they're bringing out from the tunnel, yeah, that sort of reminds me of Gobekli Tepe. It reminds me of, you know, that at some point they filled these things in to 
for whatever reason, you know, whether it was prior to the cataclysm or whichever way we look at it. But yeah, tell us, tell us about the tunnel, mate. So that's. All right. Now I'm just going to, I'm going to share a screen just to give people an idea of what the heck I'm talking about. Righto. We're back. We, 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 we understand our technology now, Jock, don't we, mate? And we can see now the, uh, so we're talking about the, is it the Ravi tunnel, mate? Is that, is that how you say it? It's Ravne, R-A-V-N-E. We turn off Ravne. the Ravne, okay. And yeah, Ravne means flat. Okay. And uh, that's another interesting feature of this incredible labyrinth that Dr. Sam Osmanagic found in mm. Bosnia, in the Bosnian pyramid complex, that is mm -hmm. completely flat. Now it's a labyrinth, so it's winding around in all these different ways, all these branches. And you, the more of this fill-in material that the volunteers and the employees of Archaeological Park Foundation uh, discover and bring out, the more um, more branches of the tunnel are found and more side tunnels off those branches, endless side tunnels, endless water channels that open up. But here's, here's the incredible mystery of this stuff that you're looking at right now on the screen. Mm. For some reason, 4,600 uh, 4, years ago, the tunnel that was built with the pyramid complex an estimated 34,000 years ago Mm. was filled in by an unknown advanced culture. And you mentioned Gobekli Tepe and the film material they used there to carefully pack it mm. to probably protect it from something. Was it protecting yes. it from other people, uh, humans? Was it protecting it from other races that were coming in? Mm -hmm. Was it protecting it from the climate changes and flooding? I don't know. Mm. But um, in this case, you've got a tunnel that they could have protected with, uh, let's say, a meter of concrete at the entrance. I was just going right? to say, you just put a door on it. it. Just put a door on put it a, and, yeah, dirt in front of it and it's done. Put a big rock, yeah, put a big mm. rock in front of it, whatever. And no one would ever see it. No one would ever know. But that's not what they did. They, they, this, this labyrinth goes for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meters. And it was filled in to the brim not with even one centimeter settling at all. Yeah. Somehow they filled it in to the brim for most of that. I, I'd say about 90% of the, of the labyrinth was filled. The only yeah. channels that were not filled were the side uh, ch tunnels that ended up opening out into water channels. So the water channels, which also wound around and then stopped, were left open so that when we excavated the material from the side tunnel a little bit, mm -hmm. we excavated, excavated say um, three meters of material, then suddenly they would open up and we could just walk down this, this water channel, which would start at, you know, the, as we said, the tunnel is flat, right? So Romney mm -hmm. tunnel, flat tunnel, the tunnel is flat, but in the water channels, they, it slowly goes down. So you start with a centimeter of water, and as you walk down, it's two, three, four, five, six, and it keeps getting deeper until it's about your hips, and then it stops somewhere okay. down there. So say 50 meters, 100 meters, 90 meters, 120 meters. There's no, there's no regularity to the, to the length of the tunnels. Mm. But those tunnels also have side tunnels from them, which have not been excavated because to, to deal with the water, mm. you know, you've got volunteers with wheelbarrows and shovels, and you'd have to somehow get into the water channel and take out the side tunnel fill-in material. Yeah. And that hasn't been done yet. It's just too much okay. work. So, well, it's all, so there's all these mysteries stuff. surrounding it, but... It's all, yeah, yeah it's all, and he, it's, he actually did... 
he yes. actually did pump, uh, pump out one of the water channels to yeah. see what would happen. And what, what it did was it filled directly back up afterwards, slowly. Okay. So in other words, the, the water is from the from below and it's coming mm. to a certain level and the level matches the level of the tunnel. In other words, it's, it's, it's an, clearly an engineered tunnel. It's not just oh. that they dug it. They built the dang tunnel, you know? So that, that was going to be one of my questions, Mike, was did, did, does the fill separate, is the fill a, of a different consistency and different geological profile to the tunnel itself, or it's different, different rock? Because obviously we're looking at the fill here. What's right. that? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll show you. Um, as we talk, I'll, I'll just go find a, a, a ceiling and wall yeah, that's uh, okay. Photo. Let's see if I can. What we'll do, um, so, what we'll do too, is well, you know, I'll make sure I post everything to when we when we post this one. I'll I'll send everyone your links and all that sort of stuff because, as I say, guys, I've I've been looking at this stuff for the last few days, and I've got a lot of questions. Uh, and you know, it's another one of these things where all this evidence continues to come, and we don't actually see. It's, there's so much of it. There's so much of it where this megalithic culture echoes around the world and we can't, we don't understand it because, and there's so many different forms of it. And how old is it? We can't, we can't understand how old it is. This, you know, oh, here we go. Yeah, look at that. All right, so here's, uh, yeah, here's an even better example, I think. Thing because it has all the features in one in one pick. Yeah. Um, full screen. Yeah, I can all right. see that. Yeah. So as we were saying, so you've got this fill in material which is loose sand and river stones. Period. That's what yeah. it is. There's okay. nothing. Occasionally, there's some clay in there, but it's pretty rare. Um, so it's mostly loose sand and river stones. In other words, something that can be dug out at some time in the future. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, they could have concreted it, but they, they just didn't. They made it loose. Mm -hmm. um, so, but still a pain in the butt for anyone coming upon this, uh, this tunnel to, to take out. Yeah. So then the question is, what are they hiding or what are they protecting? What exactly is happening there? So, mm. so, so that's a, a, a huge question. And remember, the uh, culture that came and filled it in 4,600 years ago is not necessarily, but could be, the same culture that built the pyramid complex. We mm. don't know. Mm. We just know that they're advanced because to, to fill it in and then not have any settling of that material is, we couldn't do that. If we filled it in a tunnel with loose sand river stones, it would settle an inch, two inches, five inches. There'd be pockets of air, gaps. It, it, there's nothing like that. It's always perfect. And there's, by the way, there's no sedimentation in there. So it's not brought in by a flood. There, there would be layering and sedimentation. Yeah. So it's a consistent. Particles. So it's not. Yeah. That was going to be one of right. my other questions. That was going to be one of my other questions. Is, is, it, is it an even layer from the top to the bottom? So Jock. It's totally even. Yeah, totally right. even and loose. Totally okay. loose. So, yeah, because I'm in logistics, Jock. That's what I did for a long time, trucking and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So it, the way when I look at a lot of this stuff, that's how my mind works. It's like, and you are right. That's an advanced culture that in order to move, just move that amount of material, you know what I mean? I understand what it takes and what, it, what, what, what needs to be done just to move that amount of material. And you'd be right. If it was brought in by a flood, there'd be layers, there'd be sediment, there'd be evidence of, of, of flooding and that sort of stuff. So right. that's interesting. 
That's interesting. I mean, because that is one of the main questions that people ask or, or they'll immediately say you know, on social media, it was brought in by a flood and, and you know, then they'll leave. Mm. But it's like, then I just patiently reply, well, there's no air pockets and there's no sedimentation. Have a nice mm. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And also, you know, the, 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 we have these dry stack walls. Now we have mm. the dry stack walls, which is, and if people don't know what dry stack is, it just means mortar free. There's nothing gluing the stones together. Mm-hmm. So these, these, these um, uh, dry walls, which were put in at the same time that the tunnel was filled, by the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm are 4,600 years ago, are all stacked on each other with these rounded, big river stones. Somehow they're still standing. How do you stack rounded stones on each other and still have them stand after 4,600 years? It's astonishing. So that's one interesting mystery, right? What's behind those um, stones? Well, that's the thing. Usually what we're looking at right now, we're looking at an empty, uh, an open space, Mm. right? But before before um, this was open, it had a dry stack wall in front of it. Every single side tunnel, this is a side tunnel along a main pa- uh, passage in Rodney Tunnel in the Boston yeah. Pyramid Complex. So this yeah. is a side tunnel. And this thing had a drywall in front of it. It, it also has supporting drywalls on the side, as you can see, mm. but that's that's not a normal feature that's kind of more rare it's a, mo- mostly the dry stack walls are in front of the tunnel mm. they're uh the side passages they're not to the ceiling see these are to the ceiling these supporting mm. side mm-hmm. uh things here yeah walls. i can see that yeah you so, so usually what the what the what the people who filled in the tunnels did was they let's say that they wanted to fill in this side passage well they would have come in filled in with loose sand and river stones to the brim, then put a dry stack wall right in front of us. Mm. But the dry stack wall would have only gone, say, a third up or a, or a halfway up, just kind of enough to lean in against the fill material to fill it to, to keep it there. Mm. While they then placed more fill in material along the main passage. Okay. So 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 then you've got these interesting um, features here, where it's like they 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 said we need some support for this tunnel. So they cared about the tunnel enough to support it on the sides, even mm. though they were filling it in to make it inaccessible. <laughs> you know, it's it's as if they wanted to come back at some time, take the stuff out themselves and use the tunnel for some purpose. Now, what's interesting about Ravne is there have been so many healing testimonials from inside that tunnel. I got tons and tons of no, I watched uh, a healing few. testimonials. I watched okay, a few, so yeah. you, you've seen yeah. You, did you see the one uh, the chronic sinus infection went away after she volunteered in there? No, I didn't see that one. So, so just working in the tunnel made her chronic sinus infection go away. So just breathing yep. the air she, of the tunnel. She, she was an Australian nurse who came to volunteer, and I called her the Australian cowgirl because she had a cowboy hat on all the time. <laughs> and uh, she, she was willing to be interviewed. And what I did was I interviewed her when she when i got wind of this uh this healing that went on and i and she said yeah i'm a nurse i know what a sinus infection is i i I do my best to try to heal my own sinus infection but the only time i've ever gotten relief for many many years is at the beach and it's not it's not really curing it it's just a little bit of a relief from the from the salt water yeah yeah that fresh air or whatever yeah the salt water exactly so then uh, i interviewed her four days later because i wanted to do it before and after kind of like oh is it still healed was my question you know mm. or did it come back you know and she mm. says no it's totally gone 
So, so her chronic sinus infection that she had for years as a nurse uh, was cured by, by being in Ravnay Tunnel and breathing that air. Now, what's in the air? There's two things that are pretty key about that tunnel. One is that it's got massive negative ion concentration. The only place that places on earth that has more negative ions uh, uh, are big waterfalls, mm -hmm. you know, like Niagara or other places like that. Yeah. And then, and what's interesting is that the negative ion concentration gets higher and higher as you go further into the tunnel. Um, everything's wet. There's no mm. dust floating around. Mm. Uh, it's everything's wet, wet, wet. And so there's all this uh, uh, damp air with the negative ions. Then you've got higher oxygen concentration as you move into the uh, center of the labyrinth of the tunnel. And you're like, but how could that be? There's only one entrance and the entrance is the exit. There is no to go in. So how could the oxygen be higher, especially Inside. when there's like hundreds of tourists breathing the oxygen? How mm. could that be? Mm. Well, it's they're geniuses. They're friggin' geniuses. Whoever made the tunnels an estimated uh, 34,000 years ago, and that's a carbon dating date, by the way. So okay. whoever built this tunnel with the Bosnian Pyramid Complex knew how to move air in. And so what they did was they took the ceiling and they said, we're going to have it at a certain height, let's say a nice high height, or actually let's start at the, at the, at the entrance. And Ravne's entrance is super low. So you have to kind of squat down. You, mm. you're, you're kind of leaning down so you don't bang your head on the, on the, on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So they got a low entrance, right? So that's high air pressure. Then they got a high, it, it's, like a, it's like a snake. It just goes up. And that, that's low air pressure, right? So mm -hmm. lower pressure brings the air in yeah. through the through the higher pressure, right? And then mm -hmm. it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down. And that's how they bring the air in. Oh, it's actually, I see, it's just, right. <laughs> holy shit. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's just genius. It's so, genius. Mate, so, mate, is, 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 have we found any symbols or petroglyphs or any any tools or, like, what, what have we... How do we, you know, like, is there anything to try and put? Um, I know because I, I saw some of the megalithic blocks. Basically, what I did, Jock, is I, I started watching all your stuff, and I thought if I if I'm not careful, I'm going to watch everything. And what I would rather do is ask you the questions. You know what I mean? I'd rather ask you the questions, right? So you can so you can actually share with us um, what you found, um, right. or what what has been found oh. over there loud sorry you're right mate you're right mate so so jock, jock's mac overheats ladies and gentlemen so ah there we go that's what i'm looking at i've seen some of that stuff before now there's supposed to be three different cultures who came in and made three different kinds of petroglyphic marks on this stone but the but the top ones look like they might be molded let's go back and just look at that again real quick yeah all right, so that's the that's the complex, that's the Bosnian pyramid complex. Then yeah. inside, there's there are many stones, many they're not stones, they're they're um, uh, ceramics. So they're okay. ceramic sculptures, and they, this one happens to have some some marks in it. Some of the other mm -hmm. stones do too, but this has the most marks, and it's sort of near the uh, entrance. Okay, but there's three different layers of there's three different layers of activity. Yeah. Um. So let's just look at this real quick. Boom. 
So I got, I don't know for sure because I didn't, I just made this video real quick one day because I thought I should get a video of the, of the hieroglyphs or the yeah. petroglyphs. I mean, petroglyphs, but yeah. you know, also what's interesting is that, yeah, the petroglyphs, what's interesting is that um, the, the ones on top look kind of molded. Uh, in other words, as if when they built the ceramic sculpture, that is this stone, mm. then they impressed or they, they impressed yeah, the marks then when, stuff they, when there, it was yeah. still uh, warm. Yeah. Mm. And the other ones look like they might be scratched. Yeah, um, yeah, they look. They look the, the ones at the bottom. I've seen a lot of that sort of stuff before. That's um, that looks very similar. Has anyone attempted to do any sort of translation or any of that sort of stuff on on these on this this stuff? They have, and it's pretty damned interesting. I, I got to tell you, mm. um, th this is uh, what what Samir came up with through the researchers that. Um, that uh, <clears throat> let's see. To, to, there's a Hungarian uh, linguist who studied these, and he came up with uh, there was a, something like uh, the Stargate is they were under some kind of attack. Their Stargate is going to open. Um, you know, uh, have confidence. Something like that. It was okay. it was pretty pretty pithy. And pretty, pretty amazing, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something about a Stargate opening. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. Um, now they call this, they call the script on the stone, which is a runic script, proto script Visoko. The reason they call it proto is because it's before the normal runic language. That's what this, this uh, Hungarian linguist said. He said that yeah. this is more basic than the normal runes. In other words, it predates the runes. And then the runes that we know of might have come from this protoscript Visoko. And Visoko wow. is the name of the little village that the Bosnian Pyramid Complex is in. So that's the story of that stone. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, that, that was actually the symbols that I was recognising. You, you can see the, the runic symbols there. You know, if, if you're in my studio, Jock, right. sort of, uh, I've actually got a set of runes sitting in the bookcase. You know, and I, okay. could, go, I could go and grab those and, and show you the, those individual symbols that I saw. That's, Why that's, don't you? Okay, yeah, hang on, give me a second. So just, just grabbed a handful of runes there, mate, and you can see, what did I just see there? Uh, it's definitely one that looked like that. Okay, uh, do you want me to go back to the, uh, yeah, so you go back to. Yeah, there's one there. There's that one there. There was that one there on the, on the, on the um, okay. that I just saw there, you know. Uh, I'll, uh. I'll, um... But look, that's very interesting. You know, the the the, the fact that that sort of symbology is is, is represented there. It, yeah, what's well, that's fascinating stuff. So what's so? I'll just go back. Oh yeah, you're right, mate. You're right. It's all raw. I like this. I like it. it's a raw. It's a raw interview. Uh, it, it's a, it's a good way to good way to do it. All right, let's go back. I was going to try to find a photo. Um... But I'll just go back to the uh, back to that. So yeah, there you go. Pause it there, mate. Yeah. Well, so you can see you can see some of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, like that's that's very similar to that, but it's reversed. Yeah. You can see that. Interesting. You know? Interesting. Yeah, you've got your Y symbols there. You got stuff like that. There's. Uh, I only grabbed a handful. There'd be more over there, but it's definitely 
it's definitely a pictic type of of language. You know what I mean? Like that's that's very interesting. So, and so it's almost like a pie symbol there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some of it, some of it looks like it's been scratched in, but some of it looks like I can. And so, why do we? You, you keep saying ceramic, mate. How do how do they how do they deem that it's ceramic? Well, they. Um... I'll just show you some ceramic stones. Uh, what, what, some more? It's just full of megaliths. This, this, yeah. this tunnel. So, what Samir did was the, the discoverer of the, of the Boston Pyramid Complex, Samir Osmanagic, who founded in 2005 after mm. traveling the world for 10 years and looking at other civilizations, pyramid complexes, and writing books and things. You know, he came back to his own home country of Bosnia and noticed that the hills there looked kind of like pyramids, the, the one of them had a northern orientation and next thing you know, he's naming pyramids in this little tiny village. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, he, um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was more more to do with the, uh, more to, like the ceramics and stuff, mate. Uh, and, oh, right. Yeah. It's interesting so, stuff. I mean, th th this is, this, I mean, looking at this stuff, I mean, obviously, I, I spend a long time researching this sort of stuff. To me, it would it would seem that it is a it's it could even be before a lot of this stuff. Like, you, you thirty four thousand uh, years is a long time. Like, that's 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 prior to everything else. You know what I mean? That, that we that we totally understand. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So, um, well, I'll show you this one first. Let's see. Um... All right, so this is Megalith K5. Yeah. Now, he, he also wanted to change the name because, you know, he hired me as a videographer for 19 months after I came to volunteer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we were always talking about names for um, names for videos and, you know, how he wanted to promote the, 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 the complex and various features of the complex. So he, he said he, he would rather have be called a ceramic sculpture K5 and instead of megalith K5. Um, there's other K, there's K1, K2, K3, etc. But um, so, but megaliths kind of sticks because that's just what everyone wants to call them. So it's yeah, megalith yeah, yeah. K5. <laughs> oh, sorry, but this is actually, sorry, this is K2. I, I, I apologize. I, for some reason, I said this is K5. That's okay. This is um, this is K two. See, it's been it's been four years since I was there. I wouldn't have made that mistake four years ago. But it's been <laughs> it's four okay. years, and I, my son, I'm slipping. I'm getting old. It's okay, so, This is <laughs> so. This is um, K two, and it's probably it might be the most famous of the megaliths in there. It's massive. It's got these three cracks in it. One, two, three that meet in the center. It's got this incredible texturing. He took samples of the of this particular. Um, ceramic sculpture he didn't know it was a ceramic sculpture then but um and he sent it to the lab and then he sent it to another lab and another lab and they all said it's a ceramic it's a ceramic it's an artificial ceramic so this was this was built and it was placed there also because underneath all the megaliths or the ceramic sculptures uh, are sandstone plates that are angled to one degree or another and these are sitting on the sandstone plates in a very specific way to, to as a base so we know they were placed there mm. and i i highly doubt they dragged them in like neolithic uh hunter gatherers i think that they probably just poured them right there placed them there with with high tech uh with high tech 
technology because how would how would we pour that onto a, a sandstone plate? We couldn't do it, you know. It's interesting, Mark. You know, look, the, and this is the there's so many questions that, and, and and unfortunately, a lot of those these questions don't actually have answers, do they? Like, you know, the how, what, when, where, why. You know, I mean, as far as the you keep saying the Bosnian pyramid complex. Obviously, we're talking about. Yeah, the, the one we're talking about now is the big one. You know, that's the big one that we've all seen pictures of that, um, that, that is obviously still covered in brush and all those sorts of things. And you've got your layering and all the, the sandstone layers and the, and the clay layers in between that I, I want to have a chat about. However, how many, how many pyramids is, is there thought to be within that valley there? Obviously, you've got the big one. But, uh, right. So we got the uh, we got the Bosnian pyramid of the sun. Let's see if I can get you a nice uh, representation. Let's see, Bosnian pyramid complex. We got the Bosnian pyramid of the sun is the biggest uh, one in the complex and the tallest documented pyramid on the planet, um, except for except for Ritania, uh in Serbia, which is much 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 bigger. It's a three sided pyramid. Mm -hmm. And uh, but but see, Ritania doesn't have as much documentation of it being a pyramid. So it's kind of like it's 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 on the cusp of being recognized as, a, as an artificial structure as opposed to a mountain. So mm -hmm. so right now, the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun is the tallest documented pyramid. Then there's the Bosnian Pyramid of the Moon directly across the Foynica River. So that's mm -hmm. two pyramids paired to the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun is the Bosnian Pyramid of Love. Um, and I'm just going to show you real quick. I'm just going to show you how they're paired. Uh, these two pyramids is pretty astonishing. Pretty astonishing. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. So, so in between the Bosnian pyramid of of the sun on the right and the Bosnian pyramid of love on the left is an alternating clay and concrete staircase. Mm. So the clay is baked clay layers. So my thumb is on this little thin baked clay layer, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is much softer, even though it's baked and hardened, it's much softer than the concrete, which is this thicker layer here. Mm. And then um, we've got some, another little clay layer as it steps up in the crevice, as it's going up, up, up with the, with the pyramids, you know, it's, it's going up. So uh, then you've got a concrete layer and it's not, uh, it's not like a, our kind of staircase where it's a very regular, depth to this to the layers mm -hmm. where you just walk up it this is more of a structural engineering uh deal where they said okay we gotta we, we're gonna strongly join the pyramid of the sun and the pyramid of love how are we gonna do it well we're gonna do it with perfectly flat layers even though the layers in this pyramids are inclined into their faces mm -hmm. so 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 the inclination is of the layers is always inclined into the structure, but then in between, it's gonna be flat layers. Mm -hmm. and we're gonna do concrete for structural strength. We're gonna do clay for earthquake mitigation because the clay is softer. Mm. And that's that's what they did the entire way up. And so this is really strong pyramid, uh, twin pyramid structure, super mm. strong, but that's, not, that's just the beginning because all of the um, structures are paired to what's next to them. And all of the structures that are on the riverbed are paired through the riverbed, which is also artificial, to the next structure across from it, across from it, across it from the riverbed. Mm. What am I saying? I can't even speak. 
across the river bridge from it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's yeah. the grammar. Yeah. So, um, so you got the Foynitsa River um, uh, as the base of the pyramids and hills along it. Mm. So they started with the riverbed and they just built up with the exact same engineering, the exact same building, claystone, baked claystone layers, and soft earthquake mitigating clay layers. Mm. So it's all clay. Um, the, the, the harder baked claystones are called sandstone, but mm. they're, they're clay, they're pure clay. And I got that on video. Uh, I broke one apart um, up on Osceola Hill, which is across from Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. And it's just clay, you can see it. Um, and it, you, you can dissolve it in your hands in the sink. And I've done a video like that too, where you can see that it's clay. There's just no question about it. It's not sand. Mm. So it's not sandstone, it's claystone, and then soft earthquake mitigating clay layers alternating. The, the, the hard baked clay stones are for structural strength, just like in this crevice, we've got the concrete for structural strength mm -hmm. and the softer clay layers are for earthquake mitigation. So um, uh, all the structures are joined through the riverbed. And as I showed you before, oh, I might as well bring up this one, this one photo now. Um, I, cause we talked about this earlier before the interview began, how the, how the uh, ancients use soft earthquake mitigating clay on the right side of this in the upper part of the bank of the Foynitsa River. Yeah. So you've got, you can see the softer layers alternating with the harder baked claystone layers, right? Then on the left side of the photo, as it gets closer to the center of the river, they stopped using the softer earthquake mitigating clay the soft stuff that you see, the crumbly stuff is just detritus from where the river left it when it got lower in the summer. Yeah. So those aren't actually, those aren't soft layers. That's all hard from the left middle of the photo to the left side. That's all hard baked. And they adhered all these hard layers somehow super strongly. And there's no way we could do that. Mm. There's no way we could, we could adhere uh, baked claystone to the next layer in time. And these go for, hundreds of meters or 50 meters or, you know, well, 500 meters, these layers. Mm -hmm. um, so, so to make that layer and then lay another layer on top of it, it's going to melt into it and, and, and be adhered to it in time before mm -hmm. it cooled. They want mm -hmm. to it cooled. There's no way we could do that. So, so they had some real incredible technology. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, I mean, and it's fascinating with this stuff and the, and the more I research it, because obviously, you know, in order to research this stuff correctly, you've got to understand a little bit about geology and stuff like that. Whereas geology would say that they are sedimentary layers. But, I mean, the, the clay stone and then you've got, yeah, the, 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 that layering like that, that's unlike, some, that's unlike anything I've ever seen. And that, that was one of the things that really shocked me about your videos when you were, when you were actually describing that. It's like, well, yeah, that... That makes sense, you know. I, I can see that there is separate separate layers. You know what I mean? Well, also they've got sectioning. Um, so the, we've got the horizontal layers that alternate: hard, soft, hard, soft, hard, soft, mm -hmm. uh, all the way up. And what a coincidence that would be for geology, right? Mm -hmm. And then we've got mm -hmm. sectioning. Um, uh, we've got sectioning of the bank. So. Um, the, the, the riverbanks and and so the as we move up the the the, the layers get thicker mm -hmm. and you'll have this really thick say i don't know a foot and a half two feet thick block 
And on the sides of the block, you can see it's smooth, it's vertical, it's regular. Next block, smooth, vertical, regular face, right? Mm. And mm -hmm. each block, it's not, it's not like, oh, nature happened to lay this hard layer down and then there was a crack or a fracture that happened to come through. This, they're not cracks and fractures, they're clear, delineated right angle lines mm. with smooth faces, smooth interior faces to each mm -hmm. block section, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then in between them, you've got this thin baked, uh, this thin uh, soft earthquake mitigating clay. And then above them, the soft earthquake mitigating clay and below them, the soft earthquake mitigating clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so obvious. And you can see, you can see that in the riverbank at, at say knee level, they start to have these bigger or, or like the, the level of your stomach. They start to, if you're standing in the river, the, uh, you can see the larger blocks start to appear uh, whereas the river itself has the more thin uh, layers. Have, have they done any um, any LIDAR scans of the Bosnian pyramid, just out of curiosity? They have. And I'll show you a picture right now. Oh, just there to you go. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I wrote, I, I wrote an article about that. And let's see. Because, I mean, that, that, would, that would surely reveal some very interesting stuff. Because I think that the other issue <clears> we deal with, mate, with a lot of these things, obviously moving climate, shifting climate, growth and yeah. that sort of stuff is it all gets it all gets covered over by you know if we're talking thirty four thousand years the earth does its own thing it drops seas there's trees there's dirt there's you know leaves you know rivers running through fires ash you know so whatever the original structure was once upon a time it it may not be you know we, we actually can't see that and look that's some of the stuff we're seeing down here in australia you know we we we, we want to try and get some LIDAR imaging done so we can actually see through the brush. Because if we can see through the brush down, down below where, where it actually is, then, man, you know, we're actually getting a, a, a better look. What I find interesting too, Jock, while you're finding that picture, is that it's only through our emerging technology that we're beginning to understand how sophisticated some of these things are. And without that technology, we would have no idea, which is, you know, I, I find that fascinating that as the technology advances, that we um, more and more things are opening up as far as this, this previous megalithic advanced culture that once existed, you know, and, and the multiple types of techniques that they're doing. I do want to talk to you about the, the concrete and stuff um, because that, that's a fascinating one as well. Seems to be more, more and more evidence of that uh, coming through that some of this stuff is poured, you know, some of this stuff only makes sense if it is concrete, um, you know, which is fascinating. Right. And uh, what you're saying about the technology, the, the rise in technology being so key to our understanding is completely right on. And, you know, all these, all these lighter scans, uh, although they are expensive, well, it's more expensive to take a team into a jungle for, you know, uh, 25 weeks and yeah. do even less work and, and not know anything really mm. because there's so many trees and so much foliage. But if you just do the LIDAR scan, it's all, it's all done. You know, it's mm. all done mm -hmm. in, in one day. So it's pretty amazing what, what we can do, but, uh, but let me just share it. Let me just share a screen real quick. So you can see some of this, uh, some of this crazy uh, stuff. So here's the LIDAR image of the complex. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's see this curving, 
guy down here. That's the uh, Temple of Mother Earth. It's a curving pyramid, basically. Um, and it's it's like a satellite dish shaped uh, structure, and it, and it's the, the it's facing north, just as the, the the best orientation of any pyramid on the planet, uh, the north mm. the cosmic north orientation of the pyramid of the sun over here. Mm -hmm. That's face that that really good side to the pyramid of the sun is facing north. So the northward facing sides of these structures seem to be the most important for the um, ancients and my there's some, there was one theory by somebody that i heard um, talking about a mothership above the north pole that was bringing information from the pyramid complexes around the world so the northern orientation of the faces was sending some kind of information to this mothership now i don't know if people want to go there or not that doesn't 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 they don't have to i, I don't it doesn't matter to me what, what, what matters is the the beauty of the structures in their incredibly meticulous engineering mm. if you if you go on the pyramid of the sun or any of these structures pyramid of the moon over here um pyramid of the dragon down here pyramid of love next to the pyramid of the sun if you go to if you just start digging you'll find the hard baked claystone layers inclined mm. into the face of the structure mm. and then the soft earthquake mitigation clay above it mm. on the sides of each block Mm. And then again, hard baked clay stone. Mm. And it's so meticulous. And on top of the stones is texturing. On the bottom, it's always flat. So mm. these baked clay stones, they always made them flat on the bottom with texturing on the top. And we don't know why there's texturing. It could be for, as you might imagine, uh, for earthquake mitigation to have mm. some, some uh, instead of slipping, if being flat, it would have a little push against because they're so deeply gouged all, well, these, that, all these stones it's sort of it's sort of might like you know just off the top of my head it makes sense that if you've got a flat stone gives you a flat surface rough surface on the top that's where you put your your mortar or your or your you know your softer material it's going to allow that to get mm. purchased you know what i mean like that that sort of right it sort of makes sense to me i see and the interesting thing with this lidar image is like there is a lot of like um flat faces facing north isn't there I mean, yeah. you know, the other thing is too, like if we're dealing with what, 35,000 35, years, like how much has that landscape changed all by itself as well? You know, what, what did it actually look like um, before that? I see you've got the Rav Ravne Tunnel Labyrinth up there to the top left. So where yeah. does, does that finish in the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun? Does that Where does that actually go to? Or is it? Well, know, it's... it's, it's it very oddly it starts quite high up in the hills um uh most tunnels that i know of or that that i've seen uh start near the riverbed and that's what ktk tunnel does um i think ktk might be marked on this all right so it, it's not marked but anyway ktk is near the river and then but but this this entrance for ravne is way 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 up in the hills mm. and like i said it's totally flat um pretty amazing structure incredible winding labyrinth and it goes toward sort of in a very labyrinthine way. It kind of goes toward the Pyramid of the Sun. But what Semir, the discoverer of the pyramids, is always trying to do as they bring out this fill-in material from endless passageways is to, to follow the ones that go toward the Pyramid of the Sun in, in the southeast uh, uh, direction. 
mm. um, and not the other ones. But see, the thing about this labyrinth is that if you start to follow a southeasterly branching tunnel, that's not going to end up being going straight to the Pyramid of the Sun. It's going to go start branching again. It's going to curve mm. around again. So mm. you never know for sure which is the tunnel that's going to lead you to the Pyramid of the Sun. Mm. Now, what they did was they did some, I'll just show you another picture, which I think you'll like, which is um, a not a lidar scan, but a ground penetrating radar scan that yeah, Klaus Donut did. Good, good, okay, good. Okay, so let's see. Ground penetrating. So is there, is there anything actually underneath the pyramid of this, the, 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 the largest pyramid? Like, have we got tunnels that go underneath that? So are we are you trying to join one to the other or what? what? Yes. And here they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right Whoop. all right so that there is um what the ground penetrating radar scan found then he did another one so this was done in 2010 then he did another one in i think 2014 yeah to, to more extensively but but here so i was there as a volunteer in 2011 he'd done mm. the scan this ground penetrating radar scan from a somewhat secret uh, satellite. In other words, he won't reveal the um, the name, the full name of the person who gave him the scan for free yeah. from a what is probably a military grade or military satellite. <laughs> so this guy just this guy just helped him yeah. uh, because Klaus said, "Do me a favor. I'm going to do a lecture at the Bosnian Pyramids Conference, and I need some something cool." So he's like, "Okay, I'll, I'll give you the scan." And he's, so this is ground penetrating radar. The different colored lines are different depths of tunnels. Okay. Uh, the what? So so the white the white lines are ten meters, as I remember. Oh yeah, it's on. The, it's actually marked on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. And the blue ones are deep. Uh, so anyway, um, that you can people can find that info on the internet. Um, so this is looking at the. This is basically looking from the north, but we're kind of angled over a little bit yeah, so yeah. we can see the easterly side too. Um, and you can see that incredible tunnel network. And, and guess what? This is the tunnel that's off to the right on the top, on the very top, that white tunnel there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's another one below that white tunnel. It's black because it's so deep. Mm. And uh, I, I'll, I can show you that scan right now. Um, and it goes... See this black, uh, this black line. Now we're now we're looking from straight above, and the northern face is over here. So we're kind of switched around. Mm. So now west is the way it's supposed to be, and east is the way it's supposed to be. So this is this black line I follows. Yeah, yeah this black. We're, we're back on the lidar scan, mate. I can't see that. It, oh, it, oh, really? Yeah. Uh huh. All That's right. Okay. So let's see. I'll take that off. Yeah, I can see that. I can see you looking down, looking down from a Google Earth image. Yeah. Right. So, so west is west, east is east. In this image, it was switched around a little bit, but on the other one. But so this black line that comes out of the pyramid mm. is super deep, and that goes all the way to Ravne. So ah, what, they've, okay. what they've been trying to do, because Ravne is way two point five kilometer kilometers north uh, west from there. Mm. So so with the so this black line curves all the way around and meets Ravne. So so he found that with the ground penetrating radar. So what Samir is trying to do is find the one tunnel in this labyrinth of Ravne, 2.5 kilometers northwest, 
Yeah, to make his way to the thing. Yeah. That joins that long black line. Then they can get inside the tunnel, uh, inside the pyramid of the sun. How awesome would that be? I mean, I don't know what they're going to find, but how cool would it be to be inside a pyramid built Mm. 34,000 years ago, right? That's insane. That's insane. The fact that, I mean, and look, look, I'm going to ask an obvious question. Um, Has there been mining done in the area? Like this is the, this is the, this is the obvious question, you know, is, 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 are we looking at these tunnels? Are we looking at evidence of, of, of mining once upon a time or not really? There's nothing, well, nothing. Well, you know, uh, what Samir did in the beginning was to have to deal with a lot of people saying a lot of things which uh, were against the idea that these are actually pyramids built mm. in ancient times, but they're just natural features. So mm. he had to defend himself. And to do that, he did a lot of lab analysis of material. And so what he found was that in the two tunnels that he found, well, he didn't find KTK because they already knew about that, but they thought it was a soul dug by soldiers during the war or at least inhabited by them. And maybe it was a mining tunnel before. So he just, he just went in got samples, sent them to the labs. And, and when they came back, uh, no, there's no, um, metals, no silver, no, no gold traces, no copper, nothing. Yeah, there's, there's there's no traces of any kind of uh, metals that might have been mined. In mm-hmm. other words, the, these these tunnels. And by the way, clearly, KTK tunnel has a different construction than Rob Bay. And KTK is clearly built um, from the ground up. In other words, they built the hill and left KTK as an empty space. And that's there, there's no question about it. So mm. if, if people want to find my article and my videos on this on KTK, they can just go to um KTK tunnel uh, built, not dug. KTK was left as an empty space. Yeah. So um, search empty space. Yeah, absolutely, um, mate. But we'll, we'll, we'll chuck all the links in, in. We'll put all the links to your YouTube channels okay, and all that sort okay. of stuff uh, in the in the show notes. This is interesting stuff, man. So anyway, so as far as the um, the the petroglyphs and the and the symbology. Obviously, I know you. In, in one of the videos, you were you were talking about that they they seem to think that the first people to settle there were the Romans. But the Romans only ever took stuff over. They very rarely did they actually um, settle something brand new. You know what I mean? They 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 marched into a place that they knew was they knew was there and took it over. So I mean, as as you know, and we 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 say the the narrative, right? The overarching narrative. How old is this area as far as inhabitants in Bosnia? About four and a half thousand, did you say, Roman times? Is that basically what they're saying? You mean how, how old is the, uh, the settlement? Yeah, when, when, when was it first settled, supposedly? Well, I mean, they have uh, Illyrian uh, culture there, which is before the Romans. So yeah. I guess most people would say that it started, that a cultured civilization came in with the Illyrians. Mm-hmm. But... But um, obviously the Illyrians, neither the Illyrians nor the Romans had the technology to build those pyramids, which are absolutely gargantuan. Mm. And, they, and they had a different technology from the Romans. In other words, if the Romans had decided, we're going to build some pyramids now for no reason, because they mm. had no reason to do that, mm. um, they would have built them a different way. These are not, these are not Roman uh, structures in any sense of the word. There's nothing about them that says Roman. Um, they're concrete. The concrete on the Pyramid of Sun is much harder than, than any Roman concrete. Um, it's okay. been tested at 133 megapascals. Megapascals has to do with um, units of um, atmospheric pressure. 
-hmm. So how much, how many atmospheres uh, at the base level of Paris, France, that's the neutral point. Uh, that's one, that's one unit, one atmosphere is, mm -hmm. is where the pressure is at Paris, France. How many of those uh, earth atmospheres, the pressure from those would it take to break this concrete? All right. So 133.8 megapascals compared to most of our modern day concretes, which are 60 to 80 megapascals. Yeah, right. So really, really way stronger. Uh, there was it, the labs told him that it was heated up to 500 degrees. I can't believe I forgot that. That's <laughs> okay. Man. I'll, I'll go find it right now. I'll That's okay. It. But but so basically, it got to 500 degrees. Does it? I mean. Celsius is obviously hotter than Fahrenheit. However, um, it it got to 500 before it started to crack. Is that basically what we're saying? Uh, well, it, the, the uh, no. I, what I meant was that the ancients used heat to make it strong. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they they heated it up 500 degrees, and I still can't find that. But I'll find it right now. Hold on. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot this. That's okay. It's okay. I've only, I've only typed this about 10,000 times. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. I got to get out of that document. So basically, I mean, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's not that important, Jock. Basically, you're saying is that they used the, 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 the pouring or the baking technique for this, this stone was done at 500 plus degrees. Oh, yeah, 500 Celsius, 932 Fahrenheit. Wow. They banked and, it. So, I mean, is there any, I mean, the thing is about this sort of stuff too, mate, is that where's the evidence of the, of, the, of the kiln? You know what I mean? If they're baking these stones, A, how did they get them in there? B, how did they get them out of there? But surely there would be a, oh, we only understand it as like a factory. You know what I mean? There'd be a factory or evidence of some sort of where where all this stuff takes place. I mean, you see the same thing at all these megalithic uh, sites. It's like, okay, where is where they actually did the work, you know, and did it magically happen at the site, you know? And that's where I think we run into timescale uh, variance, whereas I think, you know, you're talking about 4,500, 34,000. We can't – they had numbers to us, Jock. You know, like, oh, yeah, it was 34,000 years ago. We don't, we don't understand that. You know, that's, that's what's that, 340-plus lifetimes ago for, for, right, for right. everybody, you know. Um, and, and the Earth has been through so many cyclic changes that we can't even begin to understand. I think that's the um, – oh, there you go. That's interesting. I can yeah, say so – I could show yeah, you some so, photos like that from Queensland. Oh, really? Mm. Well, they have um, different. It's odd because this is the Pyramid of the Sun, and you were talking about how they might have, you know, created these this concrete that covers the Pyramid of the Sun. Uh, how do you do that in a in a in a sort of practical way? You know, it's like uh, you're on a slope that's about forty four degrees. First of all, it's not it's not exactly the easiest place to work. Mm. And then what you'll notice is these slabs. If they were poured on site on a 44 degree slope, they would have been thicker at, at the base, at the bottom of each yeah. slab. Yeah. But they're not. They're equal thickness. So somehow they either poured them and had technology to, to not have it slip down, or they 
who knows how they did this? We couldn't do any of this. We, we couldn't even get machines up on a 44 degree slope, first of all. Mm. So it's it, the whole pyramid is covered in this concrete. We, we could never in a million years do what they did, whoever they were and whatever technology they had. Isn't that fascinating? And so this, what, this is the hardest, like I said, this is the hardest documented uh, concrete that's ever been uh, tested, except for some modern concretes that are really specialty concretes, but mm -hmm. nothing that we would use normally in, in bridges or roads, you know. Wow, man, this stuff's very, very, very fascinating. And as I say, you, you know, you've, you've got, I don't know how many videos you've got up on YouTube. I've watched about 15 of them, but there's a lot of information to take in a lot more than what we're what we're talking about here today. Um, so the, are they actually are they um, so are they in over in Bosnia? Are they actually inside the pyramid yet? Have they found an entrance into there? Nope. No. Okay. That, that's what they keep looking for uh, in as they excavate Ravne. They want to, and there's actually three um, layer uh, three um, levels mm. to Ravne. We haven't found the entrance to the second level yet. We haven't found the entrance to the third level. And this is, you know, scientists would say, how do you know that there's three levels? And my only answer is that there's a reader or a, a medium or whatever you want to call her, uh, Sue Jones, who does readings at archeological sites around the world and was actually does have degrees in uh, osteoarchaeology and other degrees, but she also has this gift that's, that's not what we would call scientific where she went into Ravne, I've got it on video, just search Sue Jones Ravne Tunnel. Mm. And um, she, <laughs> and some years there asking her questions, you know, it's fantastic. And she just goes on and just, she, and then she doesn't remember what she said in the tunnel. In other words, she, when she gets out, she was channeling a whole bunch of intel about very specific things that Simmer is asking her about. And one of the things was how many levels, are there other levels, you know? Mm. <clears throat> and she said, there's three levels, do not, she said, do not, dig down to find the next level because you'll break the system because it's a very very intricate tunnel system and you have mm. to keep the level separate she said so don't make a vertical shaft to find the entrance from the side into the next layer down that level down then find the other entrance to the next level down so they haven't found those yet so they haven't found the other two levels below the one they're at now mm. and they also haven't found through the labyrinth of the top uh, level the way to get to the pyramid of the sun and she says that that's going to be in one of the lower levels it's not even on the top level so they're digging for something that probably according to her cannot be found at that level <laughs> so wow it's interesting stuff mate it's so weird so obviously you know you're out there for 23 months you came back in 2017 we're, we're, we're at 20 in 2021 are you still in touch with those guys how are they going now yeah, uh, 23 months um, total, because I was there sort of just on my own making videos for uh, several months, but 19 months as the official videographer for Archaeological Park Foundation, just, just to make sure that people don't think I'm trying to say I was their videographer for 23 months. I wasn't. Yeah. I was. Cool. So, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, yeah, um, the, the complex is... It's just, it's, it's on fire. It's the most active archeological uh, uh, excavation on the planet is, mm -hmm. is that excavation of Rodney Tunnel, the pyramids. He, he can't excavate every pyramid because he doesn't have the cash and he doesn't have the, 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 the crew. Mm -hmm. um, but he has 
30 regular employees uh, doing a lot of good stuff, plus all the volunteers who come in the summer for two week shifts for four months when it's warm enough and uh, that the, they won't slip off the pyramids. And, and so it's not too dangerous for them to work. Mm. So hundreds of volunteers uh, every summer come in and it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, if people want to go check out some of the volunteers footage, uh, just go to my, my web, not my uh, YouTube channel. And there's mm. a playlist that says volunteers. Mm. Um, there's also healing testimonials from Ravne, different playlists that people can find. Um, but there's actually, there's two channels. One's called Bosnian Pyramids with an S and the other one's called Jock Doubleday. So they can, uh, the, 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 mostly the Bosnian Pyramid stuff is over on the Bosnian Pyramids channel, although I do have some on my personal channel too. Mm. But you know, most of the, most of the archaeology stuff I have on my personal channel is terraforming videos, um, so that's a different sort of a slightly different thing, although it all it all is it's all one ast astonishing construction project across our planet. Well, that well, that was that was sort of the next the next stage that I wanted to get to, mate, is, um, you know, I, uh, I I spent obviously you sent me a video this morning when we, we talked about some of the stuff that we wanted to do today. Uh, I watched that one after the, the, the Anzac Dawn service that I, I, I held at in front of my house. And then. Um, and I think I stumbled a couple of, across a couple of terraforming ones before you sent me to that one as well. I mean, you're talking about um, and look that eagle, the eagle scout thing is that's that's interesting, right? Um, and I would like to talk to you about some of the and this all doesn't have to be today, mate. But I would like to talk to you about you know what you understand about some of these petroglyphs and potentially Egyptian connection stuff in the US as well that it keeps popping up but then is 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 squashed and doesn't exist you know um so when you talk about the terraforming 45 degrees to the the, the riverbeds and stuff like that see in my field trips here in australia because basically what we're doing uh down under here is that australia seems to be missing out of this megalithic puzzle however it's not it's just been well systematically destroyed uh, however, there is remnants there that we can we can look at and 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 see. However, you're talking about a you know some of this terraforming stuff that I watched this morning was like, how long ago do you think that would have been done? I mean, what are we what are we actually what are we actually trying to say here? I think that's an interesting question. You know what? It's because potentially, what are we are we, are we talking about terraforming? major continents prior to inhabitants arriving you know how are we how are we how are we actually what are you thinking what are you what's your thought process on some of this stuff well it's interesting that you bring that up that's a really really key question that i've i've sort of obliquely dealt with in some of the terraforming videos because it, it there is some evidence that crops up in front of our faces. And that's always what I'm trying to deal with in the mm. field is to show people what I'm looking at so they can so they can see that I'm not just talking. Mm. Here's what we're both looking at in, in real time. I haven't been here before. This is generally how I do it. Mm. I, this is my first time. Let's, let's look at what we see. And so occasionally I'll see seashells in mm. what I'm saying is terraformed sections, mm. blocks, 
that I'm saying this is terraform. Look at the section breaks that goes through many different geological time periods. It's one line, it's a vertical line, and yet there's seashells in it. <clears throat> so now this is an issue that goes back to the Bosnian pyramids again. Now mm. people who don't know about um, <clears throat> Bosnia will, will probably not know about the Stone Spheres Park, but this is a this is key to all of the, this question that you asked about the timeline of when the terraforming might have taken place. Mm. Um, so what Sevier did was there was this. Uh, area in Bosnia, about two hours away from the Bosnian pyramid complex, where there are these stone spheres. Mm. Um, mm. And so he made a park out of it. He cleaned it all up, got the trash out of it, uh, got made a beautiful stairway, uh, concrete staircase down there for tourists to come. And let me just see, I want to um, give you some idea of these stone spheres. I've seen them. I've seen them. I'm sure that's that that's that that, that Stone Sphere Park. I have seen that. But if you could show the listeners, and we may have oh, okay. find some bits I'm and glad, pieces. I'm, great. I'm glad that you uh, got a chance to do that to see it because it's pretty astonishing, really. Um, these that's the megasphere right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. And there's, there's, there's heaps of these around there, isn't there? And they keep finding them. They keep finding them and they're... they're yeah. There's circ- a- yeah. Uh, and so, so they all came out of they all came out of one hill. A mm. lot of them came out in this flood. Well, the, the first time anyone knew about stone spheres in Bosnia, uh, in this area of Bosnia, was that a huge rainstorm came. There was a big flood from the rainstorm. And it, this hill that you see on the left mm. was full, packed full of... Mm. Um, stone spheres with the soft earthquake mitigated. Well, I don't know if it's earthquake mitigating for them, but soft clay between the spheres. So they're packed in there consciously. And the, so out of this hill came, say, 60 or 80 spheres. A bunch of them went down to the ocean and were lost, but some of them were still in the creek, right, which is to his right here, the worker's right in the photo. And Mm. so um, some of the spheres stayed there. Then they saw this recently, just a few years ago, a worker saw, this wasn't excavated at all, it was still in the hill, Um, but they saw a little bit of it, like a face of it. And they go, should we dig here? And Senator said, yeah, go ahead and dig. So they did, and they found this this megasphere, which is the biggest one, not just in Bosnia, but on the planet. It's the biggest stone sphere ever found. And the media completely shut this down. Academia will not talk about the sphere. Uh, they call it the natural geode. Uh, nobody will talk about it except for the like the entertainment press who mm-hmm. who want to say, hey, there was this funny rock found in Bosnia, isn't it? So doesn't it look like it might be natural? But we know it isn't. And that's mm-hmm. their hilarious little article that they get mm-hmm. ratings to, or views from, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, so, so those spheres so is- in analysis. These spheres are found in these spheres. They're found in Europe as well, aren't they? Is it? I'm trying to remember where else these spheres are found. Is it Scotland? I'm trying to remember that that there's some other. They're they're everywhere, man. The Costa Rica are pretty Mm. pretty famous ones. Mm. Um, Lots and lots and lots of them in Costa Rica. Uh, South just South America's got tons of stone spheres, but they're different. They're different materials uh, depending on the location. Some are super, super hard. These are a bit softer. These are sandstone. Yeah. See, what Samir did was um, 
And this is a broken sphere here because what sadly what happened is that people heard a rumor that the Costa Rican spheres had gold inside them. <laughs> and so the people in Bosnia said, hey, maybe there's gold inside these spheres. Uh, they started yeah. breaking them apart with hammers, you know? Yeah, right. And so uh, they're broken, which is really sad. But um, some of them are still intact and the megasphere is still intact because that was only found a few years ago. So mm. it was protected in the Stone Spheres Park. So, um, so I'm gonna get to this. The point of the whole thing is about timeline of building. So mm. what Samir did was he took samples of these uh these of the stones he took samples of the stone spheres and he took samples of the surrounding uh sandstone uh, uh, rocks that they're just presumably just natural rocks that are there and sort of in the clay around the stone spheres in this hill mm. and he took it to the lab and he said okay i've got these two samples one's from the stone sphere one's from the natural rock can you tell me the difference if there's a difference between these things. <clears throat> and they said, yes, there is a difference from the lab. They said, uh, uh, let's see, um, there's two uh, elements that were different. One was silicon dioxide and one was manganese. So uh, basically what happened was they took, uh, they, they added manganese to this stone sphere from the natural materials that were was already there. Manganese is a hardener mm. um, and uh, sorry, and then sorry, they took out silicon dioxide and they put in calcium carbonate. So calcium carbonate is a glue mm. and manganese is a hardener. So, so a glue and a hardener were added to, to the natural materials to make these spheres. Then you say, okay, calcium carbonate is a glue. Well, what has calcium carbonate in it? Well, guess what has a, a high percentage of calcium carbonate? seashells right. so okay. th that's the main element so yeah. that that that's a glue that can be used now presumably they powdered it for this they're probably mm. not just chucking seashells into the stone sphere they're probably powdering it first for for maximum uh, glue effect mm. but in the terraforming my theory is that the, that the timeline can be guessed at by saying, look, it can't be earlier than the marine organisms and the freshwater seashell organisms that were here, because we have fresh, uh, we have seashells in some of this terraform concrete. Yeah. So they, so they just chucked in seashells as they went, uh, or perhaps even living marine organisms with shells on them. I don't know. And then, uh, but, so, but of course, to a geologist, that's just going to sound like nonsense because they're not going to believe in terraforming first of all, and they're going to go, well clearly this has to be geological if there's organisms in it you know uh it's not going to be concrete mm. they would have powdered it well maybe they didn't powder it <laughs> mm. Mm. wow that's yeah. i mean ahead ahead of the we're, again so many questions so there's been, there was 60 to 80 of these things those stones fears found in in Bosnia, it only they just got released from a hillside basically during a during a massive flood or storm. Um, and again, another one of those things that echo across the globe, John. And it, what we what we see here, and you know, I'm sure you see you've seen it in your travels, and we see it all over the place. Is the these things these these things are echoing all over the globe, time and time and time again. You know. If you just open your mind a bit, you can see that, you know, as I say, stone spheres in Costa Rica, stone spheres in Bolivia, stone spheres 
in, I'm pretty sure it's Northern Europe. I'm sure there's some, they found some in, in Europe as well. That's, you know, you're talking about thousands of kilometres and the same sort of stuff. You know, this, yeah. the, you know, you're talking about, you know, we, we talk, you know, just today, mate, we talk about the runic language that I had in the corner in my studio in Australia. And then you okay. talk about, then you talk about, there's, there's the Pictish language here that, you know, that we see here on the rocks in Australia, you know, versus in Northern Europe. There's 30 to 40 symbols that seem to echo around the globe. All of this stuff leads leads to, to, the, to the big question that, you know, there was a civilization that came before us and they had, they had, they had a different understanding of the planet. They, they had a, the, an un- unbelievable ability to work stone or to, to put together massive monoliths or megaliths. Uh, I, I saw you did some stuff about the Baalbek stuff. Um, you know, what, what I, what I, where it was, so I'll let you lead, mate. Where do you want to go from here? Also, I was going to ask you about Baalbek. Well, you know, you're talking about this uh, previous civilization. Mm. And to me, you know, you're, you're, you live in Australia, so the Gosford glyphs are your territory. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to chime in with one thing and, and ask you what you think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, p- people keep saying, oh, you know, uh, well, clearly they're authentic glyphs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the question is, you know, uh, people say, well, you know, they're authentic and they're Egyptian if mm. they're authentic. Mm. But to me, it's like, do we really have to call these Egyptian glyphs? Or can we just say that the people who ruled the earth at one time in the past happened to be in Egypt and they happened to be in Australia and they happened to be every fucking where else? Because, mm. you know, so so really are the Egyptian glyphs or can we just call them the glyphs of the of the whatever you the advanced race that was here before, whoever, we, yeah. whatever name we want to give them, you know? Yeah, look, I. To me, mate, the, the, the deeper I dig, like, so, you know, I, I spent um, many years observing all these sites all over the globe. And, you know, I think the first time I would have saw, the first time I saw your work, I think was probably in 2018 um, with, the, with the Bosnian pyramid stuff. And, you know, that sort of added to everything else that I was doing. And then I right. came back here to Australia and you see polygonal masonry in Gympie. Um, you see all this sort of actually I, I can show you some polygonal masonry if you, yeah. if you like um, I'd love to see that because I haven't I haven't really um, studied that too much now Gimpy is where exactly Queensland right so exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm so the thing about um, the thing about Australia is, is it's massive right so basically the Gos- <laughs> the, the Gosford cliffs are 10 hours south of me um, okay and Gympie is about three hours or two and a half, three hours north. And okay. there's other bits. And, and look, there's other stuff. There's, there's stuff that's popping out of the woodwork with some of the work that I'm doing with some of my colleagues down here that, that, is, that is quite amazing. This is probably the money shot there. I'll, um, and what I see, mate, and potentially what we're, we're looking at here is that there is a, there's a growing understanding. Uh, can you see that there, Jock? Whoa! Yeah, that's Gimpy. That's Gimpy. Yeah. Good that's God, it. man, that's just genius. Yeah, that's that's um that's outside a church in Gimpy. We're seeing, and the, the the story goes that this wall was taken from somewhere else um, and used as a depression era project. We're seeing actually that you know that dry stacking, the dry stacking yeah. of the walls. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that at Gimpy as well. You know, Jesus. we're talking about 
evidence that's left all over the place, mate. And I would sort of agree with you there. Like, whoever it is, is just a previous advanced civilization that existed. I think one of the things I struggle to try and communicate to people as well is the level of the cataclysm that happened 13,000 years ago. Right. You know, I mean, if you, if you take America, for instance, right, if depending on which, 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 you know, if we say that multiple objects came out of the sky, impacted the ice shelf that was above, you know, Northern America into Canada, America would have been wiped from the map. Like that, we're talking continent-wide wildfires, nuclear winters, like um, volcanoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, floods, whatever was there, whatever was here prior to that cataclysm, is gone like it is gone on a scale that we don't even understand you know and you know you're you're, you're you know i know um graham hancock spent a lot of time in with his book america before i see all the the stuff that you're you're doing and there's a lot of different interesting things that are coming out of the us but that is the remnants of what would have once been there you know and we and we deal with the same thing here in australia you know, there was there was a systematic destruction done by the British, basically. However, at the same time, it's just an age thing as well. Like there's there's a significant amount of evidence that there was a double impact in the Gulf of Carpentaria down here that um, would have hit the reset button here in Australia, actually caused a mini ice age around the world, um, assisted with the fall of the Roman Empire. And that was the this is the that happened here in Australia. Um We'll just show you some of you know show you some of this stuff like this is some of the here we go uh you might notice this is at the gimpy they call it the gimpy pyramid uh I've, i run a lot of these i've got the an app called the d stretch app that i run through that picks up pavement oh there's some pretty butterflies i take photos when i'm out and about you know what i mean that's i'm a wannabe yeah, yeah. i'm a wannabe photographer but the problem is Everyone's got a 20, mixel, 20 megapixel uh, camera in their pocket. Here's something you'll find interesting, Jock, actually. Um, I've called this the preparation stone, okay? So there is, a, there is a, a story that goes that with some of the stone that was cut, there is apparently three different plants that you join together and they make an acid and that acid can actually cut stone. Now, the reason I call this the preparation stone, because if you see... If you see here, you can actually see the layering there where it's actually eaten away the stone. So they've prepared the acid on this side, right? And then you can see they've sharpened the tool on this side and then they've made a test cut here. And this is, this is you know, this is, a, this is a, what I deem the preparation stone, which, was, which is just very fascinating stuff. Some symbols that they found. I was just trying to see if I could find some of the the drywall stuff here for you so you can see some of the right angles and stuff here mate you know what i mean this is some of the things that i was going to show you as well like look at the smooth face right angle cuts at some of this stuff and you can see this stuff all over the place that one there sort of cleared that out you can sort of see right angle cuts there's another one there look at that i mean that's actually that's actually sectioned out right so if they're using this acid to cut these stones then that would make sense you know, like some of this stuff. And look, a lot of the things, there you go. There's your dry stacking that still exists there today. Well, it seems like there, there might be uh, different levels of cultures that came along and the, the, mm. the really beautiful stonework in the very first picture you showed me mm. was, uh, you, know, you know, obviously the most advanced and therefore the most, most 
ancient uh, of mm. the cultures as we mm. devolve. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the interesting thing too, isn't it, Jock? And I'm sure you've seen this as well, mate, is that the older we, the, the deeper we dig, the better it gets. It's not the yeah. other way around. You right. know? It's, it's like, how do we, but I mean, th there seems to be evidence of a, of a spiritual culture down here that we're trying to unpack that, um, you know, that, that, that many cultures came to Australia to visit. They, whether they were trading with the Indigenous here or they were learning from the Indigenous here. Because one of the, and I'd actually like to get your, your thoughts on this, because one of the things we, we spoke about was base level, I'll get out of this here now, mate, but base level spirituality on a, on a global scale is pretty much exactly the same. It's, it's honouring the earth, it's honouring the elements, it's honouring the directions, it's honouring everything, right? And that and that and that that doesn't matter where you go. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what. Nothing. None of that matters. It is exactly the same the world over. So what that actually begs is that what actually to me represents that there was once a global spiritual culture, you know. And I think I think that maybe Jock that science and religion were once upon a time they were actually joined. And at the height of that, that's where we see these megaliths. That's where we see this amazing, these healing properties of these sites where they knew the spirituality mm. of the planet and they understood that, but they also had the, the technology to join it together, you know, and that's the, you know, I think it was Carl Sagan, the fact that science and spirituality are deemed separate does a disservice to them both, you know. Wow, that's a, that's a beautiful quote. Mm. But it's, it's interesting, mate. It's interesting. You know, and, and well, all, you're, all you're showing me is more, more, more dots in this big grand puzzle that we see. Well, you know that this uh, this Gimpy pyramid uh, stonework that has different, um, seem seemingly different qualities to it. It seems like uh, around the world. Now, now I can't prove this. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're we're in speculation mode. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's just just so people know, I'm not I'm not stating this as you know as absolute fact or anything, but uh, speculating, it seems that many of the stones that are the best stones that we see, best in the sense of most regular or most intricately fit together, that kind of thing throughout the world, those may have been cast as opposed to the ones that were later quarried. Mm. I mean, we have, we have two kinds of pyramids on the Giza Plateau, for instance. We have the, 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 mega pyramids which some of those stones have been found to be cast so that's not speculation that is science mm. and i think that if if we can say that the the larger pyramids were built with cast stones which makes sense because why would you quarry them and drag them if you could just make concrete stones out of them on mm. on site um then the smaller pyramids may have been built by a later culture because they're the ones that are crumbling in the sort of the shadow of the larger ones because mm. these crumbling smaller pyramids whoever built them didn't know what they were doing because mm. they're already crumbling and they were built later it's, so yeah, they're, it's, they're, a, it's a poor imitation poor it's imitation. a poor imitation exactly and so i think those are the ones that might have been quarried by these poor slaves and then you've got the hieroglyphs of slaves dragging stones around and people think, oh, that applies to all the pyramids. But mm. I think it just applies to the much, much, much later ones in that the real builders were casting stones. I mean, mm. it seems to me that that's, that's the basic 
uh, but I can't prove it really, except for the science that says that they are cast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and look, the, the the cast stuff I have seen. You know, there's a, there's a few guys. There's a couple of guys I follow. One I want to try and get on the podcast. He's 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 doing some very interesting, uh, pointing some very interesting things about the cast stuff in Egypt, and it, it's well worth having a chat to him. I think the other thing we get caught in too, Jock, is that it's not. It doesn't have to be just one thing. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be everyone's, you know, we, we always, we love, you know, and obviously we're experiencing this in it, in it. I don't want to go down a, a what's wrong with modern society rabbit hole. However, you know, we have to pick teams. Why can't right. it be, it, 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 you know, it's like either, either it was a sun flare or it was meteorites that caused a cataclysm, pick a team. Right. Well, right. maybe, maybe it was both, you know, because theoretically these stones came out from behind the sun. So what if they flew through the sun and dragged a big CME with it and just smashed us? You know what I mean? That Why can't we say that? And I think some of these more difficult, some of the more difficult stonework we see in, you know, in South America, you know, like some of that stuff is, it looks like it's melted or cast, as you say. You know, some of the very fine work you see in Egypt. So some of it may have been, you know, you may have quarried some of the bigger blocks to use as your base stone. And then you might, you know, as you say, use a, a cast stone to fit that piece in. Oh, we don't have a stone that fits that piece. If we just make that and put it in there, you know. One of the interesting things that I know you might find, I don't know whether you've looked into this before, is that in the Great Pyramids, like the, the three big ones, there seems to be some sort of mortar uh, between the stones. And if you look that up on the internet, there's one sentence, right? One sentence that's repeated over and over again. The mortar in between the stones of the Great Pyramid is, is of unknown composition. Uh, it's stronger than we understand and cannot be replicated. And it's harder than the stones themselves. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's harder than the stones themselves. So it's like they don't know. And how can we, like, but that sentence, that one sentence is repeated ad nauseum in every single article, Wikipedia page. And it's like it, it almost seems like that's being steered. You know, it, it's like it's hard not to put your tinfoil hat on when the same <laughs> sentence is repeated ad nauseum through all of these things. It, it, could, it could be a bluff, though. It could be like, a, uh, in other words, it could be a way of uh, saying we just don't know when, when really the controllers do know what the mortar is and how it's made, and they mm -hmm. just want to say it's a mystery. Mm -hmm. It might be that. There's so, many, there's so many levels of subterfuge going on. None of us have the, the whole answers about anything because we're, we've been we've been lied to on so many levels and so many realms our whole lives mm -hmm. and so we're just emerging from this we're just emerging to realize that we've been lied to and mm. slowly finding out little truths about this and that little possibilities mm. like you say you know keep our minds open to all the possibilities because for instance this is this is pretty cool you know the mud fossils guy roger spur right yeah yeah, he's he found my terraforming videos posted on some ancient history Facebook page because I posted it. I, po I posted on a whole bunch of sites, you know, mm. and he he came on and said, uh, uh, it's all mud fossils. There is no terraforming. And I was like, that to me is not quite the scientific way to go. No, or even the or even the friendly way to go. Like I would I would hold out an olive branch in this interview to Roger Spur and say, <laughs> look, I, I don't want to get into an argument about it's all this or all that. How about we say 
there's a whole fuckload of moss mud fossils out there mm. and there's a bunch of terraforming out there possibly like mm. if you agree with you know my analysis of various mm. creek beds and riverbeds and hills mm. it can all happen it can all be the case and there's a lot of other things that can happen too like natural fossils because mud fossils are like a um a branch of paleontology yeah. a sub-branch of paleontology because fossils that's paleontology then you got your mud fossils which are specific kind yeah uh, fossil and that so there's all lots of things happening and you know how did they if it's all terraforming which i'm not claiming it's all terraforming mm. but uh how did the fossils get into the sedimentary layers mm. uh be, to, to give us timelines mm. uh because those are pretty clearly you know um delineated and the explanatory power of the geological model with fossils is really, really good. Mm. But um, in a lot of my videos, I say, I do kind of go overboard a bit. And I say, um, <clears throat> this is the end of geology. This seam is the end of geology because it shows that it goes through many different yeah. time periods and it couldn't do that. So this creek bed is built, but I don't mean that, that there is no geology. I'm just, mm. I'm just saying that the idea that geology is the only thing out there is incorrect yeah uh, in my opinion based on the evidence in the field so i well, think your idea is good that we we, we allow for many different explanations because it's an old planet who knows mm. how much stuff went on here i call it the mosh pit of ancient civilizations who came yeah. here built yeah. they warred they destroyed other civilizations uh then they then a flood the global flood came and washed everything away and then some more civilizations came yeah. i mean how are we supposed to decode that now after millions and millions and hundreds mm. of millions of years of mm. of, of civilizations mm. doing all sorts of crazy shit and killing mm. each other and then breeding with some other race and then yeah. you know it's just a mosh pit of, of craziness from mm. in the past you know mm. yeah look i totally agree mate and look you know and you couldn't say that blanket everything's terraforming because this planet is beautifully made in some instances where there's natural okay. valleys and natural creeks. But if you're talking about, you know, like you say, in between the Bosnian pyramids where they have the riverbeds, you know, if you want to steer some water somewhere, we do that today. You know, we do that. We make man-made lakes. We make man-made rivers. We do this stuff in housing estates here in Australia where we divert the water into a lake. We do this, we do that. And that is what you're saying is terraforming. We use concrete to steer the rivers and steer the stormwater and do all these sorts of things. But on the other side of that, you know, if you go, we, you know, I could take you to a hundred places. I'm sure you could do the same near your house where it's beautiful, natural landscape that it's it, what I find with this stuff is that people are so attached to their ideas. It's like, no, it's, this is what it is. And that's it. I said, so, well, no, how can you know that? One of the things we say, what we said on this podcast a hundred times, Jock, is that the one thing we understand is that we know nothing. If you take a, a you take a single pixel out of the screen in your that you're looking at, that's potentially your knowledge. Probably not even that, but the whole screen is what is actually available to you. And you'll never understand it. But if there's two ways to look at that too, Jock, is it, it can be, I, I see it as a freeing thing. It frees me that I know nothing, but some people, it freaks them out. You know, they, they, can't, they can't grasp that concept. The, the evidence you, the terraforming evidence that rabbit hole that I went down before we started this interview is very, very compelling. Like, and the thing is, is that I could take you to some riverbeds 
here and and show you some stuff you know like it's that that is interesting well if you want to search for those photos uh be happy to see them but i just want to share a screen real quick and show show people what we're talking about when we talk about the the bosnian pyramids riverbed yeah for sure we have just because this is this is the whole key to um the terraforming came from me walking up this riverbed in bosnia and finding out that it was built and i thought well if a riverbed is built here how long does it go and i followed it i went way outside the complex in a taxi and and then walked back into the complex from from where he dropped me off and mm. I just diagnosed the, the river bed and it's it's a it's it's got the 45 degree angle construction that the, the riverbeds um, here in Texas do and that the riverbeds in California do. And it's got sectioning on the banks and it's clearly a built structure. Mm. It's got the alternating hard and soft layering. So mm. that's the Foynitsa River that winds placidly through the Bosnia Pyramid Complex. And here's another um, view. And so you can see, that's the very first image I got. That's the very first sight of it that I got uh, when I decided to go down and see if it was built. Oh, wow. so I thought, well, why, why would the ancients place their pyramids, <clears throat> these massive, largest documented pyramids in the world, Pyramid of the Moon, Pyramid of the Sun in Bosnia, why would they place them on the earth where a river that goes by could just erode it from the base and, and it would just fall? Mm. It doesn't make any sense. So mm. I thought, well, I wonder if the riverbed, which is at the base of all these pyramids and, and hills, was also part of the construction so that it's essentially one unit, one mega mm. constructed unit and mm. everything is attached. So that's the first thing I saw. I was like, holy crap, that looks like construction to me. And I got got down in it. I walked up it and I made many videos just walking up the phone. It's looking at stuff and people can find those. Um, mm. and, and so you've got the this interesting channeling that they do. There's, there's, uh, they build, they, they build it way up uh, on the outside uh, banks of a, of a curve, and, and mm-hmm. geologists would say, well, that's just, be, that's just natural geology. The water's naturally following, uh, going away from the, the built-up bank and going the other way. So mm. you can't prove that that's terraforming a terraform river from that, and that's true. But there's so many. F- aspects of the riverbeds mm. uh, in Bosnia uh, that, that meet there, the Bosna and the Foynitsa River mm. um, uh, in, the, in the heart of the complex. They meet right there in Visoka village uh, that, that show that this, this is built. I mean, there's no difference between the construction of the riverbed and the construction of the hills and mm. pyramids on either side of it. It's the mm. same construction. And there's there's mm. no way you can say, oh, here's where the river, the natural riverbed ends and here's where the construction begins. It's mm. all construction. It's mm. so clear. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they haven't sent a formal team down to do it, but uh, it's all documented in all my videos yeah. and in my articles. So yeah. this is the key to, this is what started me on the terraforming uh, uh, theory mm. was following this river out and seeing that there was no end to the building. I was way mm. outside the Boston Pyramid Complex mm. and it was still built. It still had the signs of being built. I'm like, how, how should I go up every single of one of the 12 tributaries to this river? So I did. I went up the main tributary, the Dragica, way, way, way outside. I, I took taxis on a couple different days and one of them was the Dragica and it, that's built too. Mm. So if, if a tributary to this river is built, then probably the other tributaries are, I don't know. 
good but i haven't had the time to explore all all the 11 other ones mm. well <laughs> but, you know so that was the beginning of the theory i just wanted to make sure that people understood where it came from yeah absolutely up this this specific river so mm. and look the other uh, what what one of the thoughts i had mike while you were talking about that is that the um the one thing that echoes around is with these pyramids is they all have water they all have some sort of liquid or something underneath them don't they you know like that's that's something that is um echoed again and again and again um i'll show you something here mate you just to get your, your thoughts on it so this is um what i'm going to show you here is uh, is is an axe grinding place in um queensland where the indigenous used to sharpen their tools and sharpen their axes and there's many, many different um, examples of that. However, we found uh, a very interesting imprint. Um, can you see that there, bud? So that imprint there is found in that stone. Huh. Wow, that's amazing. Huh. And it doesn't make any sense, right? So no. And, and <laughs> I, I actually took a sample of this stone away and I sent it down to a geologist friend of mine down in Victoria. And basically they came back with it with sandstone. I showed them the imprint and like in order, they said in order to push that into the sandstone, whatever that tool was would have been, had to be in over 2000 degrees Celsius. And it's just, it's just interesting stuff. And it's actually a right angle. Look at that job. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a perfect, it's, it's, it's a tool mark of some description, but why I wanted to show it to you is that there's all these right angle, these, these different cracks and stuff as well that look very similar to what you're saying there. And you can see a lot of this stuff is... In that photo, wait, in that photo there that you just, yeah, is, is that the line that goes up to the right um, between them, is, is that fill in with some mortar or is that just some loose stuff that came in later? I don't know. I don't know. So basically the other thing, because I sent a heap of these photos down there as well, and the geologist said, look, that, so this one here, you can see this here, it looks like it's been cut. And the geologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. the geologist actually agreed that it had been cut. Right. Um, but interestingly, if you go along that, you know, this is a, a bit of a research trip that I did. You can see the and see these lines through here. Look at that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But apparently, so that, yeah, that, it, that, that that line looks like a seam. That's what I always call a seam in ancient yeah. concrete. It's joining those two sections together. So to me, those were built. In other words, mm. that's concrete in sections laid down in sections and joined with some kind of heating mechanism possibly sonic heating so then you then you go the people who are making these impressions must be a later culture or because it's not the same kind of thing going on you know mm. yeah so i mean look at that sort of stuff there like i mean that it, yeah it, it it you know the geologist said and this is the geologist said that this same this type of stone is known to break in right angles is basically okay. what he said to me. Um, but, I mean, that's like a perfect – some of these right angles are, are damn near perfect. There are generally not any right angles in nature. You know what I mean? Like right, this is, right, this, right. This well, is the, well, plus it doesn't really look like a break. It looks more like a molded stone to me. It just – it doesn't have the feel of a break. It looks no. like it's been cast, you know. It's like yeah. a modern casting, you know. Hmm. And yeah, this is this is stuff. Found this stuff. This was all over this axe grinding site. I, I'm going to yeah. head. I'm going to head back up there and go up and down the river, going up and down the creek to see what else I can find. Um, yeah. 
I mean that yeah, I mean that sort of look that there that sort of been broken off there as well, you know. It's um but yeah, it's interesting stuff, mate. And it, it was sort of when I was looking at some of your videos today, I'm like, isn't it fascinating how, you know, literally on the other side of the globe, we have very, very similar different uh similar rocks, similar seams, all these sorts of things, you know, these things are echoing and echoing and echoing, you know. Yeah, um, I just went to California in October and check this out. Um, let me just share screen real quick with you because yeah. this is exactly, as, as I was looking at what you were showing me from Australia, I was like, oh my God, it's just like in, in California. Yeah. This is, from, this is from Rock Creek in the Sierra Nevadas, uh, Sierra Nevada mountain range. Oh, there you go. Look at and that. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you found, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. And, and so what I found in this creek bed, which I extensively videotaped, uh, I have like a bunch more videos coming out. I've got a few out already, but I spent hours and days and days down there because I had a cabin right on the creek for about a week, mm. specifically for that reason, because I knew mm. I, I would want to diagnose it. And when I diagnosed it, I was like, oh, my God, it has the 45 degree angle seams that go all the way across the creek for 50 meters straight mm. lines over and over and over again, always 45 degrees. Um in the in the base layer sometimes there's alternating right angles like this mm. thing is i think this is a right angle to the flow of the creek so mm. this is associated with the 45 degree terraforming project that is rock creek in california so so it's mm. pretty interesting yeah we'll see that 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 where i was showing you there jock is actually a creek bed that's that's that that's a riverbed um okay. that that uh, in, in when the rains come, water's been flowing over that for who knows how many thousands of years. And it's actually an important Indigenous site because that is a, it's deemed like a, um, a shared site. So basically anyone can go and swim there. They can go and sharpen their tools there. They'd have meetings there. It's sort of like on a border of a couple of different territories as far as Indigenous people here are concerned, which is also very interesting. You know what I mean? Right. I think the riverbeds are pretty key because it's that's the gathering place for later cultures. If they were built, if the, if any particular riverbed or creek bed was built, mm. then you've got that that construction evidence there. If you, if if one can diagnose that, and then you've got later cultures coming because the water's there. And what you said before about the water being important, I think is this is the key. I think that it, that if they did build. Uh, riverbeds and creek beds around the world, which are really just valleys between hills. In other words, they're mm. building hills with the base of riverbeds and creek beds. Mm. Um, so in the, if they did do that throughout the world, they're doing that to control the flow of water, to create turbulence, to create negative ions for our this is speculation, obviously, mm. about their motivations. Mm. But <clears throat> it seems to me that it would make sense that if somebody's building hills, they're a benevolent race who are creating water courses that will give us uh, a certain kind of turbulence for mm. the to create the negative ions and to vortex the water. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's going back and forth in this, this sinuous mm -hmm. way. And mm -hmm. uh, Victor Schauberger, of course, the great hero of, of, of the science mm. with a water function, he showed that the the there's a, there's a spiraling 
as it goes down back and forth, it's spot, it, it, it gets a spiraling mm. shape to it. Plus there's the vortexing, that's the vertical vortexing of water. Mm. Um, and so it's giving more information to it. And this is where my, my knowledge, my little pixel of knowledge stops because I don't know what kind of beings need water to have vortex information in it or if they do <laughs> yeah I, i'm just i'm just speculating sort of based on the small amount i know about victor schauberger who mm. talked about the spiraling nature of 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 water um, mm. <clears throat> and how important that was and so just based on his his basic idea and i haven't read his books but the, the christopher kindmark who has read all of his books accompanied me to the dragica river the tributary to the Foynesi in Bosnia, and he's on video talking about Victor Schauberger in this tributary that's clearly also a built river that goes into mm. the Bosnian pyramid complex. So it's pretty cool to bring Victor into this because he was so he's the master of water. So when mm. you mention water, I think mm. I think I think uh, why would the ancients need to channel water in certain ways mm. unless unless it was for very specific energetic purposes beyond yes. our present beyond basically our, our basic present understanding of why of of what water can do the magic of water is still yes. beyond our understanding oh without a shadow of a doubt i mean you know the, the the basic one is no water no life basically that's that's the reality however right you know i think a lot of this stuff with the the modern archaeology gets gets palmed off to be oh they did it for spiritual purposes or it's a it was a ritual or whatever you don't build massive pyramids just for fun they have function so if in the base of all pyramids we're talking in bosnia we're talking in south america we're talking in egypt we're talking in indonesia we're talking all of these pyramids that we find all over the planet all have water around them or in the base of them then there's a function behind that. There's a reason that we're doing that. You know, every single, most sacred sites back onto a river, they back onto, uh, or they have water running past them. And yeah, the magical, you know, the, the, the magical properties of water, I don't, along with so many other things, Jock, I don't think we understand, um, you know, and it's just, uh, it, you, you, you sort of slipped uh, when we devolved, um, in the in the conversation earlier, and I, I wanted you know that's spot on. I think once upon a time we knew a lot more than we do now, and we've created a, a mechanical society that doesn't honour the elements as it should, and therefore we don't have an understanding as we should. Right, right, and it's it's interesting how Victor Schauberger comes along and almost seemingly out of nowhere, just by spending time in nature uh, as a youth. He sort of comes up with this information is way beyond uh, anybody's understanding back then and still way beyond most people's understanding right now. I mean, I've mm. tried to read his stuff and it's pretty it's pretty deep. It's mm. pretty it's dense and deep. And it's like, how did he come up with all this stuff? Um, you know, they talk about Tesla being a genius, but Tesla never said he was a genius. He said uh he, that he gets these downloads of, yeah. of information mm -hmm. into his brain and i wonder if victor schauberger also got downloads mm -hmm. in other words in other words that he it wasn't that victor was a genius it's that he was this the subject of someone sending him downloads of information he was like the 
he was like the 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 the, the person who was going to pass it on to humanity they had chosen mm-hmm. them so, someone had chosen him to get mm-hmm. the downloads because mm-hmm. because te- you know tesla said that his brain is a receiver and i think yes. that that's what that's what's happening with a lot of these quote geniuses oh i i, I don't disagree with you at all i mean yeah one of the um yeah i'm, I'm a teacher uh during the day however one of the things i use as a, as a teaching moment when we talk about logistics is that, you know, we're sitting in a classroom and I say, listen, the chair that you were on, the table, everything that's around us was in a warehouse one time. It was in storage. It came on a truck, all that sort of stuff. But then I'm like, okay, that's the logistical side. How about we talk about this for a second? All of the stuff that we've built just came out of the ether, right? Someone sitting here in a room just went, oh, I'm going to build, you know, I'm going to, what let's let's make this you know let's let's make that let's make Mm -hmm, let's you know mm -hmm, this stuff mm -hmm, just comes mm -hmm. out of the ether you know our hubris the unfortunate hubris of the modern human says it's all us and we're just fucking awesome however i i think these these ideas they come from somewhere else you know like you know you talk about you know your work jock you know you talked about passion and purpose you know this this podcast is my passion project. Um, I've 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 tried to walk away from this a couple of times, but it calls me back. It calls me back. It's like no, you're not you're not doing any. You're not going away. You can't do that. You know, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, we all have our and, and the, the, these passions. Right, well, then, these creatives, you know? right, and then you go. If it's calling you back, you go wait. Who is it that's calling me? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What's you know, calling me back? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because somebody's got to be calling you. It's not just, you know, there's yeah. someone on the other end of the telephone, basically. Mm. So, but what you said about the ether is amazing because literally what you said, uh, it's all coming out of the ether. Uh, everything we build is coming out of the ether. That's what I go on about endlessly because Tesla said, first of all, that the ether is material. It's so important because people think, oh, first of all, the ether doesn't exist because the universities tell us the ether just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But that's all based on some faulty BS that they did when they simplified Maxwell's equations. Mm-hmm. And so um, the simplified version discards the ether. So yeah. Tesla's ether is discarded from science by simplifying these amazing equations. Well, mm-hmm. Tesla knew that there was an ether. That's the medium for light. That's that's the medium for everything. That's what joins it all together. Yes. And he mm-hmm. said that it's like, it's not just some uh, energetic thing. He said it's a material ether. Mm-hmm. And, if, and you go, okay, if it's material, then we can get all the material that we need. We, meaning someone who's advanced enough to figure out how to do it mm. can grab stuff from the ether and go, I'm going to build a planet now. Mm. And I'm going, to, I'm going to use a randomizing computer program for hills and valleys and everything else mm. to make it beautiful. See, that's the punchline that I didn't get to yet, but there, I just gave it to you slightly early. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I think could have happened is that yeah. the, the planets are being built as um, hollow homes for people to live inside of and then some people live outside on the roof of the house as, as mm. it were uh but out here there's cosmic rays global flooding global drought all sorts of shit that the people on the inside are not dealing with because mm-hmm. they have their own contained environment Corey good says uh, the onshar who live in the inner earth can get light from sound so all you do is create light with sound mm-hmm. you've got 
you can grow crops in there so you don't have to worry about the fact that there's no sunlight because you have mm. your own sun mm. so um there's ways to there's a way to build planets um theoretically if we say that the material that the ether which is material could be mm. uh used as the the raw material for planet building mm. projects <laughs> look i you know the uh the uh the the five uh the pentacle right the five pointed star okay which is not a satanic symbol it's actually a symbol of protection but we don't have time for that today uh but that those five points, that's what you're talking about. Earth, air, fire, water, ether. These are the, that's that is what those five points on that star represent. And that okay. is that's why it is, you know, um, you know, long, you know, long story short, it used to be used as a protection symbol in Europe. And if the Roman Catholic Church saw that star on your door, they'd kick it down and kill you or convert you, basically. Um but that that is a that is a universal symbol, and those five points—that's what that represents: earth, air, fire, water, ether. You know, it's 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 the it's the joining together. Um, you know, and look, and, and it's quite fascinating how how your mindset changes. Like you just said, oh, you know, the people living inside the earth get sound light from sound. It's like, yeah, I I didn't even bat an eyelid at that because I'm not saying that. Again, I'm open to all perspectives. I haven't met a dwarf that lives underground yet right but everything is possible you know and look some of this the it seems to be a lot of this ufo phenomenon that they're they're admitting to is a lot of it enters the ocean a lot of it you know what i mean like it either comes out of the ocean or is monitoring the ocean and and we know less about our oceans than we do about our near earth space near space near earth space you know, and and like one of the things I love to point out to people is that you get your geology. You talk about geology. You get your geology book out, and then the, you know there's the the the, the earth. And they cut it, and there's the mantle, and then there's this and that and that and that. They got no idea, Jock. That that's an edge that is not even a real educated guess. Like I think the deepest we've drilled is 26 kilometers into the earth. It's thousands of kilometers thick. We don't actually know. That you know, there's the mantle, then there's the lava, then there's this other hot shit, then there's this other stuff, then there's a big ball in the middle. They don't know that. That's not. That's not. <laughs> it, it's just a narrative that has been repeated over and over again. Well, you know, also the <clears throat> the UFOs come in and out of uh, the big lakes, like Lake Titicaca in Bolivia. Yeah, and and so it's like they're using those. You would, you know, one could speculate as way uh, the the bodies of water as ways to, to, to hide their presence from this really, really primitive race known as humans, you know? Mm. Well, the other thing is too, you know, I, I, I always think about the, the cataclysm, right? So you've got the cataclysm that happened 13,000 years ago. If you're a super advanced civilization, <coughs> excuse me, if you're a super advanced civilization, understanding that this is the Sumerian text said, that they knew the cataclysm was coming was so bad that they fled the planet. You got two, you got three things you could do. Number one, you could, if your technology was that great, you could just escape the atmosphere and go home or go over where you really want to go. Number two is you dig a hole and we see, you know, complexes in the Mediterranean and across Europe that are eight stories deep, you know. Mm. Um, mm. Or if you had the technology, you'd hide underwater. You know what I mean? Like those, that, yeah. these are the these are the three things. So it it could be whoever <laughs> existed here thirteen thousand years ago hid under the water when the cataclysm came, 
and they're still there. I don't know. Mm. The thing is, is that the the fact that everything's bullshit is undeniable now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. And it just depends on how what level we want to go to. Well, mate, listen, but you've been very generous with your time. Um, we haven't scratched the surface on a few different things. I'd love to have you back again to to, to join us again if you if you're open to that. Um, but what's a, what's a final thing that we can discuss before we before we end this one today? Well, let's see. We began with um, making a spiritual connection. Yes. And the, the importance of um, understanding our connection with the earth. I think this is really, really key. Um, so <clears throat> crystalline material, Tesla said, everything comes back to Tesla, mm -hmm. is alive. So crystals are alive. Mm -hmm. Our earth is composed of crystalline material. Mm -hmm. So to the degree that crystals are alive, the earth is alive. And from the crystalline material of the earth, the plants take nutrients, living crystalline uh, mineral-based nutrients. Mm -hmm. Into them, they have their life from the crystals. We eat the plants and we get our life from the plants that have the life from the crystals. Mm -hmm. So this crystalline earth that Tesla said uh, is made of material that's alive, crystals, mm -hmm. is... is the the base of it all without yeah. the crystalline earth we'd have nothing yes it's true yeah so 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 <laughs> if we don't honor our earth mm -hmm. um we'd have to be the biggest fools in the universe you know well we are at the moment not all of us but <laughs> yeah look yeah look man that opens up another rabbit hole um he talked about sound and light um it is sound making light and stuff. I, I, was, I was interviewing an Egyptologist uh, a little while ago, um, Muhammad, and he's a top bloke. And one of the questions I've had in, inside these pyramids is like, how did they light them? Right. 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 And obviously there's the, you know, there's the bloke running around with a mirror, you know, trying to catch the sunlight through all the right angles. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's this, the smokeless uh, oil, which didn't leave any carbon behind. But in a, in, a, in a sealed concrete chamber, there's only so much oxygen jock. So right, you, know, right. every, you may have fire for a while, but everyone's going to suffocate. Um, so I said to Muhammad, you know, I asked him this question and he gets a double A battery. And um, interestingly, it was an Energizer double A battery, which you can buy at your shop, I can buy at my shop and he can buy at his shop. Isn't that interesting, right? And um, he's like, what's this called? He said, battery. I said, a battery. He goes, what's it called in America? I said, a battery. Where it's called, everywhere it's called a battery. He goes, what is it called in Egypt? And I said, I don't know, mate. And he goes, stone. Because stones have energy in their ancient language. So you go to Cairo, you want to order it, get some batteries, you ask for stone, and they'll say, what size stone do you need? Because in their culture, wow. stones have energy. That's genius, man. That's really, really good. That's, that's a genius... Uh connection yeah man etymological oh, connection it blew me away it blew me away because i mean uh, above here mate i've got a, i've got a set of crystals up here as well you know like i've been involved with crystals for a long time um and i do you know it's like whatever whatever you know both of our our wi-fi's are using quartz senders and receivers 
you know, everything, all the technology we have is actually based in uh, silica or, or crystal based. And I, and I think we don't understand. We just don't understand, mate. We don't understand. Well, listen, sir, look, I really, um, really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, let's sit down again, because I think we, we've got many ideas that we can explore. I want to, I want to hear about the Eagle Mount. Um, I think that's probably a different topic altogether. Um, but yeah, thanks very much, man. Do you, have you got a, a final word for the, the fellow coders around the planet? Yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's head back to Egypt for a second because uh, <clears throat> check this out. So that's the Osiris shaft on the left. Yeah. And, uh, or, or Osiris. And uh, you can see that this is, this is all the, the base of the, for the pyramids. In other words, this is, this is the bedrock that which, this is what they call the bedrock, yep. but which is not bedrock. It, this is all, the whole Giza plateau is built. Um, there are many photos I've seen. I haven't been to Giza, but there are many photos I've seen of vertical lines between the blocks, uh, the sectioned concrete blocks that compose the Giza plateau. Yeah. Um, so it's, as you go down in these shafts, you can just look to your left or your right and you see the vertical lines and, and then geology will say, those are natural fractures. And it's like, mm. no, they're, <laughs> this is concrete. So um, if, we, if we understand that the ancients not only could build giant pyramids in uh, Egypt and elsewhere around the world, uh, Samir Osmanagic, who discovered the Bosnian pyramids, estimates that there's 100,000 pyramids on Earth, which makes it pyramid Earth. Mm -hmm. Then they could also build a plateau for their pyramids that was going to be above the flooding in general. It might, might, there might still have been some flooding that got up that high because it was crazy going on back then uh, with, mm -hmm. with some of these floods um, and would be such a stable structure that these pyramids would last for a long time. Why, again, would you put your pyramids on anything except a built foundation? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't. So mm. this has to be built. It is built. Yeah. Um, most, pe most people don't get into that. But to me, it's th th that's the most interesting thing about the complex is that mm. they built the damn Giza Plateau. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, so it, when, we, when we, did, uh, we did a podcast early on about uh, logistics, we focused on the Great Pyramid. So the, 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 the limestone, I think I'm pretty sure it's limestone that the, the Great yeah. Pyramid sits on. Okay? Yeah. So let's say we were to say we bought a, a patch of land now, Jock, and we were going to get the best grader, laser level, GPS, you name it, right? And we had to flatten that ground out. Now, I'm going to, I hope I get this right, but the, the plus or minus, so basically you've got there's dead flat, and you've got plus or minus that is acceptable in today. And I'm pretty sure like a, a road is plus or minus uh, 30 mil or plus or minus an inch and a half. And the Giza Plateau, and where the Great Pyramid is built, is plus or minus five millimetres or a quarter an inch of being perfect over 61 acres. That We could not do that today. Like that is the, 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 how level it is over such a large area is it would be impossible wow. to achieve today. Right. And of course, you know, the, the, the geologists might say, 
well, they just sc scraped it flat uh, yeah. for their project, and that, yeah, that's yeah. always a possibility. Yeah. But you know, but then you, then if we go into these shafts, people will see vertical lines mm -hmm. uh, between between the blocks. So yeah. so it's pretty incredible to think that this massive plateau was built, but then you go, well, of course they built it. There's mm. no way they would put these put these pyramids on something that they didn't understand the structural integrity mm -hmm. of it. There's and no got, way. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta remember too that especially in the larger pyramids, that they they go down below ground level up to 60 to 70 meters before they even start above. So they would have had to have you know, dug into the limestone or and understood the the the, the geological structure of everything they were doing. So you got to you got to dig the hole first down into the queen's chamber and all these things underneath these pyramids before you put anything on top. Th these people, whoever they were, had a vast understanding that we we can't we can't even begin to grasp. And I, I think we're only just beginning to, you know, as you say, our megapixel. There you go. Uh, our, our pixel of, of knowledge is, 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 is growing, but it's still nothing in the grand scheme of things. We, we, we literally are just postulating in a lot, of the, a lot of the things that we're doing here, you know? Right, and your, your, uh, <clears throat> your statement earlier about how academia wants to say, oh, these are funereal or ritual sites or whatever, ceremonial sites across the earth, um, and, and how that's absurd because to put this much energy, not just building this pyramid, but other pyramids in the complex and then mm. the plateau below it mm. with tunnels, which presumably if the plateau was built, they left as empty spaces, just like KTK in, in Bosnia. Um, then you know that you're dealing with a culture who is so dedicated to the function. That was your word. And it's a mm. perfect word. The function of these structures that mm. they would spend that much time and that much energy and be so meticulous. Mm. And this, this doesn't look like a meticulous structure really, but we know that there was facing stones over mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. then the, once you put the facing stones over it, you go, Oh my God, what a masterpiece this was. Mm. And it's all built on a, a solid foundation of not just of concrete, but of their incredible wisdom and understanding of what material does energetically. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, look, that's, that's, that's a good way. That's a good place to end it, mate. You know, these, these, these places have energy. You go to some of these sacred sites here in Australia and you can feel that. And not everyone is sensitive enough to feel it. We all have our different gifts. However, I can, I can feel that stuff when I go there, you know, and, they choose to put, you know, as you say, northward facing uh, in in um, in Bosnia. You know, like the, these these locations are chosen for a reason. You know, whether it be the watercourses, whether it be the the geological structure, the crystalline bases that they're using for energy work, for want of a better description. Th these places are amazing, and and we need. To, I think, obviously, our, both of our audiences are probably pretty open minded. However, to those your friends and family that aren't open-minded, you know, this would be a perfect, perfect podcast to show them, right? you know, to see some of this stuff and hear this discussion because we're both coming at this articulately, but we're both open. I mean, I, I'm very open. If someone, like any of the ideas that I, I, I say, this is what it is. If someone presented me with enough evidence, I would change my mind like that because that's what's important. However, 
you've got to be open to all these possibilities. Right. And science, as, as many people don't understand, is a conversation among persons with evidence. If yes. you don't have evidence, and the evidence can be a photo, it can be a, some video footage you took, mm. it can be a, a quote from Victor Schauberger from a book, because mm. then people can follow that line and go, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get that book and see what he was talking about. So mm. any kind of evidence that's, that's presented in a conversation that's what science is mm. and and so what, what what science has become is uh large companies uh owned by secret families funding certain people to have certain points of view on certain issues and you're like well that's not science where's no. the conversation exactly. there's no there's no open conversation we have to have an open conversation that's mm. what graham hancock said about zahi hawas going into the chamber without allowing videography other people to be there where there was this new chamber that he was going to go in yeah, it was yeah. about oh, six six years ago or something yeah, yeah, and yeah. hancock was absolutely freaked out right rightfully so that that there would be no public uh crews uh available to show the whole uh mass of of humanity what he was finding in real mm -hmm. time you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta otherwise what artifact did you steal that day would be the question that comes up to us. I mean, of course it would be. Yeah. No, we can't, we can't have it be like that. Science has to be open and mm. it's got to be a conversation, always a conversation, just mm. like, just like today with your, with your great podcast, Triffin, really it's, it's fantastic to talk to you because mm. we're just talking. We're not, we're not lecturing anybody. No. We're just talking back and forth and we're, we're, we're listening to each other. Mm. And that's what we need to do. That's what humanity needs to do. We got to get more serious about listening to each other mm -hmm. instead of shaming each other on fucking social media. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, social media is a tool, mate. And I think, you know, social media is a tool and there's a lot of tools on it. But <laughs> To me, and it's interesting, right? You talk about, manipulating your social media okay we met through social media right. um i've met a number of guests in this podcast through social media i actually have manipulated my feeds whether it be instagram facebook i don't do twitter i, I can't quite understand it but um i don't give a shit enough but um so but i've manipulated my feeds to serve me right i've manipulated my like you, if you jumped on my facebook feeds it's all megalith stuff, ancient history, UFOs, cool cars. You know what I mean? And that's all I see because it, when I figured out that you can create your own algorithm, well, that's cool. I'll just like the stuff that I want to see. So I've actually created my own algorithm. And if you do that, social media is quite a cool place. I'm an excellent gentleman like yourself. Mm -hmm. I get really, really cool information. However, you know, we are in the middle of a, we are in the middle of prophetic times, John, I think, you know, and we don't, when you're in those times, you don't know that you're in them. However, we are, you know, what has happened over the last year or two years, you know, into 18 months now is going to be reviewed by our children's children's children's. What we do now is not only going to shape the world that comes next. And I think a lot of this, you know, the, the work that you're doing, the work that I'm trying to do here with the podcast is a massively important part of that. But we also must also remember that colour, creed, sex, religion, culture, blah, blah, none of it fucking matters. It's team human. We're all fucking on this big blue ball hurtling through space. 
if we don't figure out how just to get the fuck along for a minute, we're, we're going to be fucked. We probably already are. <laughs> you know? Well, well, then then you just bring in some really good local Australian beer and you get along better. That That's would right. be my solution. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we cook. Yeah, we'll have, have a Texas barbecue and I'll bring the beer, mate, and we'll be all good. Don't worry about it. You can bring the prawns. I know they're not shrimp, uh, called shrimp over there. They're no, actually they're not, prawns, right? Yeah, they're prawns. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll sign off this one. Thanks very much, bud. Let's let's sit down again soon and uh, continue exploring. You too, man. Good on you, everyone. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chuck. Cheers. One, two.